go back that far, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> None of us is these days. In fact, I've got a six-year-old son. And he really gets excited around the Christmas holiday mm -hmm. thing. Do you go in for any of the traditional things in the uh, boy household Christmas time? Bing oh, Crosby used to beat his children. This idea grave is brought to you by good friends who come in out of the cold. Jessica Ray Gordon with the rum balls. Oh shit, there's walnuts. <laughs> uh, you can eat the batter though. You can eat around the nut. Just avoid the nut. I don't have an audio engineer. Well, thanks for coming out, guys. I was super surprised when um, I got the message. A couple of times I've thought about doing solo shows where I just rant like Alex Jones. <laughs> Who's Alex Jones? He's that guy on uh, Waking Life that's driving around in the car with the uh, the uh, okay. loudspeaker oh, on the top. Guy? And he's like, we gotta get together. Energy is too good. Right, yeah. Right. He's become a crazy famous internet personality. Just for ranting? Doing that same kind of spiel where he's anti-NSA... Um, he has conspiracy theories about how Bush and the Prescott group and stuff get together at this place called Bohemian Grove and dress up like druids and burn effigies. And he's got this idea that like they're secretly planning on setting up a catastrophe so they can wipe out, you know, four fifths of the world's population and live like eugenic gods with like all this special life extension technology and stuff. So it's like. If, 65% of what he says is crazy and then like 35% is right on the money because he predicted all this stuff with the NSA reading all your email and all that stuff and they thought he was a crank back in the 90s hmm. and it came to pass well when you make those kind of predictions I think your your chances of being right are better than not yeah yeah if you vote on doom <laughs> You know, you're probably going to be right, especially when you're talking about like a a, a big, huge country like the Americans. Uh, if you have a government that big, there's got to be somebody who's doing something, torturing somebody or kidnapping, whatever. How many bureaucrats are there? It's crazy. Yep, torture. <laughs> the Christmas special. <laughs> Holiday good cheer. They had. Um, did that CIA um, torture report make as big a splash as everybody thought it was? Well, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty clear that no one gives a shit at mm. this point. I mean, people have, like, known about all this. What, like, when did that stuff first come out? Like, the Abu Ghraib uh, torture photos and all that stuff? Feels like 2008 or something? It's quite a while ago. Mm. So I think it's pretty clear that the mainstream electorate doesn't care that much. They had one statistic that I saw in a headline. The one guy they waterboarded, he was waterboarded every day for 40 days. Sometimes two or three times a day. Simulated drowning. That's fucking crazy. That's way worse than 1984. Just getting like rats in a cage put in front of your face. I should I should talk about my uh, kidnapping people Nuit Blanche project. Oh, totally. After we did the secular confession booth, I actually had like a serious meeting with the city of Toronto where I ran this idea by them. I was like, what I want to do is on the night of Nuit Blanche, which for everyone who doesn't know, uh, is like a all night arts festival in Toronto and other cities. But 
I was gonna ha- place actors strategically around the city that were gonna like spout off like all kinds of conspiracy theory sounding type stuff, like pretending to be just like political agitators on the corner. And then I was gonna have people in vans drive up and like appear appear to abduct them off these street corners. And which is au courant. Like that, that idea would totally make more sense right now. It would have made sense then. Like we said, these scandals have been coming for a while. But uh, then I was like, they're going to take them to, because they use a lot of like civic uh, buildings for Nuit Blanche. They're going to take them to a school, which I was going to convert into like an Abu Ghraib prison for the night. So where we would be like within classrooms, like we'd be pretending to like, well, Maybe we would be waterboarding people and, like, doing all this crazy shit and people could, like, walk through the hallways. Like, maybe they couldn't come into the room so that they couldn't see how fake it it was. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, those vans and stuff, they would kind of feed into that main attraction, but that was going to be, like, the idea. And then the funny thing was they, they were into it, except they said the thing that stopped it was the police have to respond to any emergency call that they get even if they know ahead of time that it's fake somebody would have called it in yeah people would have called it in and even if we told the police ahead of time we were doing this they still have to respond what else are they doing though (laughs) yeah but that that was the impediment that that the city felt against the idea yeah jeez louise man that would have been a good one oh would have been amazing and from that there would have been some sort of you know, momentum that led Todd to running the whole event <laughs> and not having Nui Blanche become just a big embarrassing fuck fest. Yeah, I th- I thought about that a little bit. Like, <sighs> there's a few things wrong with Nui Blanche. I think also, like you and I know, they have this policy, or did, that um, once they had sort of selected you, they don't select you. They don't give you the second, a second chance. And that's completely absurd. They should be building on momentum. Every time somebody has a hit exhibit, they're like, come back next year. Yeah. Come and back it, next year. And you think, I mean, what it would have to mean is that you're getting more and more inferior quality stuff because you're going through the people who are like the cream of the crop in the first year and then they can't reapply. Well, that's pretty much what's happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there any standout stuff last year? Because you did the podcast, right? Yes. Yes. I went around and kind of like did man on the street interviews with uh, Bird and Black. That was pretty funny. But we were just kind of treating it as like an FU to the event, right? Like I wanted to do the bros of Nui Blanche, I wanted to call it, and just have Brennan go up and interview dudes and say like, hey, what is this? What are you doing here? What is this all about? And have them be like, I don't know, man, but I'm here to fucking get laid. <laughs> is everybody's out on the street. You know, nobody's policing the drinking. This is great. Um, and like the 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 thing that gave me the idea was two years ago somebody had this hotline called is it art 1-800 is it art Hmm. and you could call in and ask a panel of art experts whether what they were seeing at nui blanche was just garbage or whether it was an art exhibit that was funded by the city (laughs) oh god and um the person who set it up actually was inspired because they were walking through i think the eaton center at night at like two o'clock in the morning and they saw a group of um suburbanites gathered around a stack of chairs and they were all like kind of examining it and trying to make sense of what it meant (laughs) it was just an an event thing like they had just stacked up a pile of chairs to get them out of of the way 
<laughs> in a way, I kind of like that, though, mm-hmm. that it would have that effect, because, like, the idea of... I feel like the idea of modern art is to try and get you to relate to your, like, visual surroundings or other, I guess, sound surroundings or anything now, like, in a different way to have you be, like, more present, in a sense, because you can, like, think of things from multiple angles. So the fact that they were actually, like, looking at, like, a pile of chairs and, like in this other way is mm-hmm. almost like a mission accomplished kind of moment, even though it's like ridiculous from like a more straightforward perspective. Yeah. There's kind of a meditative aspect of it where they were, pre- they forced people to be present and to th- examine kind of like what they're, they're doing. I mean, maybe, they maybe they accessed a deeper reality where they, <laughs> they realized the inherent silliness of a group of chairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of why I thought that the hotline was brilliant because that's probably what they were doing. That's probably the spirit of the thing. Like when you call in, they they um, force you to have questions like that. They bring up questions like that. Right. That's cool. Everything is art, buddy, little buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was a, a weird kind of bureaucracy thing. Uh, I remember like when we were applying for the second year, there was that contact at city hall that we were emailing back and forth with yeah and we kind of realized that the whole nui blanche is run by like just a few people just a handful of people there's like two people from city hall and maybe uh, a curator that does each of the zones like, yeah curated per zone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was actually in a bookstore on queen street on sunday and i heard overheard two people that were talking about the one guy is curating for 2016 they're already planning for so they oh they forecast these things pretty far hmm. in advance. Hmm. But yeah, he was, he, they were asking him, so what are your plans for new blush? He's like, I really can't talk about it, but it's definitely going to be, um, you know, about it. It's going to align with my previous work. There's going to be things about duality. There's going to be things about <laughs> <laughs> all these like buzzwords and stuff. I was just like, Oh God, this is, this is how it happens. So a lot of, uh, light displays, a lot of projections <laughs> on walls, a lot of, uh, chairs, collages made out of garbage strange collections of chairs (laughs) (laughs) paul dallas would love that would he oh yeah he was the chair master eh? what do you mean chair master he uh he well okay again we should probably say for people who don't know like paul dallas was uh our one of our professors uh when we went to art college brilliant professor yeah best professor probably and then uh one one day in critique somebody had like illustrated a specific chair <laughs> and then paul went off it's like, like that's an eames chair on about 10 or to, for 10 or 15 minutes going on about designer chairs and stuff like he had a really uh complete knowledge of like the all these differently chairs? designer chairs yeah He's like, yes, it's an Eames chair. It was popular in 1965. Um, they were very into synthetics at the time, yeah. trying to do minimalism. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was that into chairs. And then, <laughs> and then another time, like, was somebody brought up skateboarding. He was like, skateboarding's for chumps. Like, Great. You can do a trick. Bravo. <laughs> he also had a, a brilliant rant about hating nature, which what? was hilarious. It was him... And then I asked Jill Dallas about it. His wife was also working at the school. So I wanted to see if the two of them aligned for mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so I asked Jill, you know, Paul was going on about 
some vacation that somebody bought you for a wedding anniversary? She's like, oh my God, somebody wanted us to go to the fucking rainforest. <laughs> so, she's like, let me tell you, my idea of nature is the walk between my car and Holt Renfrew. <laughs> She was a character. It's just the bugs and the the rainforest would be scary. I mean, like there's spiders in the rainforest. Oh, it'd be awesome. Just Go watch the Alaska. the Survivor Man episode. Yeah, no, I saw that movie Arachnophobia, and uh, <laughs> I just watched that against. I got like a cold sweat over my whole body watching that movie. I've I watched it again so recently. Is it as scary as I remember? I didn't find it scary at all. Fucking spiders! Oh God. Sean Goodman's delightful. Yeah, he, he's the comic relief in that movie. But do the spiders look real? They, I yeah. felt like they look real. I think real. they are real. They are real. That's gross. That's so gross. They would uh, they would push them around with little air blowers, little um, yeah, you know, compressed air cannons. Oh, really? God, That's yeah. how they made them walk towards. Stuff. <laughs> That's how you wrangle spiders. It's making me sick just thinking about it. But the big Bob guy at the end, he's kind of a combination of an actual tarantula and a puppet. So, mm. you know. He Even the really little ones were, I mean, pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that they'd be super poisonous. Like, that's not yeah. even real, right? There's no spiders that are actually that poisonous. There's spies, yeah. There's poisonous spiders. What yeah. are you talking about? But I think even the most poisonous spiders, it's like it'll kill a baby or it'll make you very sick. It, it, like a grown mm. adult, I don't think you can die I don't know about this. I don't, I think I'm going to file right. this under you could fight a cougar with a spear. <laughs> I still claim that that's a possibility. Although I have seen like a lot of YouTube clips of people fighting jaguars. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking fast. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was trying to tell you. I had this uh, long-standing bet among my friends that under the right circumstances, I could fight and kill a cougar. Like if I was in a small room with it and I had I was armed, I think I could take it out. With a spear. Yeah, with a spear. I don't know about this. I don't think that you could. Are you guys aware that man is the greatest killing machine? He might. <laughs> he might have been at one point, but now I. I mean, I don't think it's not like you were raised in a small tribe that lived on the plains and had to oh. fight for its survival. I would prepare, Todd. I'd be doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of bodyweight squats. I'd have that spear nice and sharp. Yeah, I don't think that's going to help. I mean, this the issue, I think, with the, that kind of thing is that they don't move like people. No. So it's very hard to like anticipate the yeah, way they're going to come at you. predict what they're going to do. A person, mm-hmm. like, you know it's going to be pretty much straight on. Right. You know, and that there's a certain way your joints move. But other animals, like, they can dart and come back and turn around. It's crazy. I remember... The other thing was that every time this would come up in conversation, I would amend the scenario by saying, like, well, I would also have suit armor on. (laughs) (laughs) I would also have Batman suit of armor. Oh, and also, like, it's it's not like just a, you know, a tiny little sharpened stick. This spear is like Bram Stoker's Dracula spear. It's going to be giant and long and serrated. It's going to have multi-points. There's no way that that leopard is going to get past my... I'm, like still like defenses on the fence about whether you could take this thing on with a gun what in a small room. oh you're crazy you can because kill anything with a gun if you can aim properly mm, I, can, I can aim a gun and this is a small room so this is like yeah how, how big is this room how, they're gonna let this thing go maybe um 10 feet by 10 feet are you allowed to oh, like man are you allowed to train your gun on the animal before it's let out of the cage or do you have to aim once you're both I'm like, imagining that this thing's going to be pretty scared if I walk in in a full suit armor and a giant medieval spear. 
So yeah. I think that there'll be a, a like a, a four or five seconds where it's just kind of hissing at me in the corner, and I could just like stab it to death. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm imagining like my friends are on the sidelines as I'm doing this, and they're all like, "Oh, oh he's gonna get fucked up." And then I kill the shit out of this cougar, and then everyone's like, "He's a monster! Why yeah. you kill that poor animal?" Right? Animal. <laughs> I'm like wearing its its skin on my back and stuff, and doing war cries and things. Yeah, <laughs> you thought this out. It's definitely something that you should do. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you also arrive and find out that I've I've rigged the game by getting like a really old cougar. You drugged him. <laughs> it's it's barely hanging on to life. He's actually taxidermy. <laughs> It's all emaciated. It's got mange, no teeth. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about a cat, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of those cats that the Japanese paint to look like a different kind of wild cat. <laughs> spray paint it. Mm-hmm. Vice had a, a thing on like the world's most expensive dog. Oh, was that watching. was today. Did you see that? I didn't watch it. It was crazy. It's that big orange thing, right? Yeah, the big orange. I thought they were chows, but they're called like Chinese mastiffs or something. They're super, super fluffy. They kind of look like huge. They kind of look like those dogs that I put into Olivia Chow's uh, campaign video. That was a bit much <laughs> when you put the dog in. Um, I think it was fine without the dog. Yeah. The message I felt like was a little bit obscured by the addition of the dog. Well, she didn't win, so <laughs> well, it it's probably your fault. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they had these these Chinese mastiffs, and they they have them at fairs, and they sell for like three million dollars. It's crazy, and people use them as like lions on their house. They just wander around the the front of courtyards of these Chinese billionaires and bark at strangers, Scarface style. Mm-hmm. They're totally useless. Well, they have the the guys who own them kind of use them like racehorses, right? Like you get stud fees for breeding with them, and then that's how you make your money back. Because everybody wants them as like a status symbol. There's booze in this chocolate? Yeah. It's a rum ball. Feeling it? It's taking me back to my grandmother. Fuck, I want one of Just have some of the chocolate part. Why can't you have one? They're not mixed together. Dean's deadly allergic to nuts. I feel kind of responsible for your nut allergy. I'm not sure, but is there a possibility to be gone by now? It's possible. I think that it was caused by us eating, like, literally four pounds of pistachios a day while we were working this in the shoe business. This is not even a lie. <laughs> we used to buy just, like, huge bags. You gave this. yourself a nut allergy? Maybe. I don't know. We were eating that, cashews, and, like, al- uh, almonds. and. We found a Turkish nut salesman in Mississauga, <laughs> and we would go into his little Turkish nut house and there'd be these giant vats of every flavor of different pistachios. There's ones with sea salt. There was ones with... What else did you, did we get? Cajun or something. Cajun flavor. Spicy. <laughs> and we would get like these giant three-pound sacks and just sit and draw draw shoes and stuff for Roots and Illustrator. And I feel like you guys, the further you guys get away from that employment experience the more it like starts to sound like a kind of a golden age everything is a golden age after a certain amount of time yeah true i mean it could we it could have been a cushy job but i mean it's not so different from the place you're at now mm-hmm. 
like when I went when I was there, I was like, oh, this is like exactly the same experience in a way. Like even the same like family dynamic, just different people and yeah. place, and uh, it's kind of weird. And we had a very strange like, attitude at the time. Like we're sitting in our we had a giant office with like marble floors and a skylight and stuff all by yeah, ourselves. Yeah, they gave us like the biggest <laughs> office and everything. I, I don't e- I don't even know why we were so upset, but we felt like this need to rebel. Yeah, because you wanted to be a rock star, and I wanted to direct music videos. And we had to get it out of our system. <laughs> And we're like, give us a four-day work week or we're walking. <laughs> that didn't go over well. And he's like, what, what are you... Oh, man, I'm going to skull fuck you or something? What That's totally that? what he said. <laughs> he's like, you too. You had better work for yourselves in the future. Because if you ever try something like this at a proper company, they will gouge out your eyes and skull fuck you. <laughs> and, and he said it to, to, like, looking me right in the eyes. Yeah. Right? And Dean was just beside me, like, going... <laughs> try to hold in the laughs because that was one of the best ways to go out though that whole experience at first it was like i had saved up enough money that i was just like you know i don't think i'm gonna renew my my contract or whatever i think i'm gonna quit and then dean was sitting at his desk and, and just thinking about it for about two or three minutes and then as i started to walk out of the office he was like i'm coming with you <laughs> <laughs> Like a very small version of that Jerry Maguire uh, <laughs> sequence, right? Yeah. Then my dad left like a couple months later. Yeah. Do you think he was inspired for the same? Yeah, he was. <laughs> told him. I don't know. I think he told him like to shove it. Nice. Okay. Well, he got fucked over the worst. That, yeah. Th- that's well, that what was that turned was me what, off about the whole thing. That was what got us going all fired up. Yeah. You got to tell the story that if you're tell if the tale a podcast. You know. Go ahead. Oh, well, what, uh, I can't even remember. Something. They were like trying to dock his pay or something. I can't remember. Because he, he was going to retire soon anyway. Yeah. Somehow they, he got demoted. And the. Not really, though. They gave him more responsibility, but mm. they were trying to just pay him less. Right. And he was still doing all the same stuff, but they knew that he was going to retire soon. So they were. They kind of thought that they had him by the balls to just kind of start cutting his pay meanwhile they like all bought those brand new cars and we didn't Mm. get a raise yeah and all that shit went down they're like flaunting these brand new audis in the parking lot Mm. and they're going through everybody's they get gave everybody their review and they were just like sorry we didn't make any money this year and meanwhile we had this brand new like office with marble floors they all had new cars and we're just like Mm. no this is fucked there was also something about, like, your dad was sensitive about medical bill stuff because, like, he was diabetic and he had other, like, health issues. And it seemed like what hit him the hardest was that he had, like, they kept on saying, like, oh, we're going to take care of you, blah, 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 over yeah. the course of no, but it was all the bullshit. decades that he was there. And then... Plus, he also had, like, inside intel on some of the other people there, mm. which he told Greg like some of this shit that went down in confidence like to help out greg right but i think it kind of backfired greg spilled the beans yeah you senile old bastard he died i heard was your dad uh what did he think was he Uh, completely done yeah he was over it nice i mean it's still sad Mm -hmm. but something that was even fucked up from what i heard because he had like a stroke but they didn't even take him to the hospital what like Allegedly. 
No, they didn't take him to the hospital. Was and then they, he went home or something. Like they were gonna take him to Scarborough because they they didn't want to take him to the hospital in Mississauga or something really fucked up like that. And so he just went basically brain dead. Yeah, I think last time you told me the story, like he got upset at work or something. Yeah, he they, was flipping they, out at work and he had a stroke, which was like pretty common. I'm sure they got in a fight with like his son's like usual stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think he like blew a gasket, had a stroke, and then nobody took him anywhere. Jesus. And then I think he went somehow got home, and then his wife took him, but it was already like too late, and then he was just brain dead, and then he died. All of this is made way more interesting if you imagine that the person we're talking about was like this four foot tall, bald Armenian guy who spoke like eight languages. He was smart, and he was super smart and charismatic and stuff. And he would just like effortlessly move between languages as he walked around the office. Hey, Luch, como French. Not, not so different from your boss now, like the the mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like there's a lot of similarities between the character types. Yeah. That that's so common for for um, business startups that you have like the charismatic founder, and then they pass the business on to the kids, and then they grow it, and then the third generation collapses everything. <laughs> yeah, because they, they have the ego thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to prove themselves, but they and that they know everything, but they don't know shit. They yeah. haven't had to learn anything, and then when they're put to the test, they I don't know, they just pretty much fail they get so too far away from the charismatic one i uh thought i found like a pretty interesting uh finding when i was looking at the graduate um the graduate survey national graduate survey why what's going on with we just like to make mouth noises that's part of the podcast it's an aspect of the podcast oh (laughs) why wasn't i notified okay go on um sorry so yeah i was looking at this um, National Graduate Survey and I did initially this quick uh, regression on um, your father's level of education mm. and so like if you have if your father has a high level of education which graduate field of study is most highly correlated with that and uh, what I initially thought I found was the two main groupings that like all like graduate fields of study were grouped into about six or seven categories for this survey, which was like education, humanities, social sciences, business, math, physical sciences, engineering, architecture, hmm. something like that. And I thought I found, okay, the two most popular for a highly educated father are physical sciences. Hmm. No real surprise there. And second, visual arts. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, which would indicate that, like, you know, you work your ass off your whole life, and then you either have kids who like build on the empire, or kids that just squander everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then I ran a, f- a different regression, and like, it f- like the results for uh, physical sciences were just so much stronger than anything else that it was mainly that. Right. Yeah. So, on balance, we're moving in the right direction. I'd have to do more study. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an interesting idea while it lasted. I think it's also interesting that we might see a third demographic group in the future of people who initially go into the arts and then go back to school and do the, the physical sciences. 
because that's yeah. what Ilya's plan is. Like yeah. he wants to do all of the stuff with animation and stuff, have a good time, and then he wants to go back and, and do something and follow in his father's related. Follow just because his he's father's footsteps and like life is long, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is actually uh, there is something kind of fulfilling about doing that. Mm-hmm. I know Gary Oldman in Basket. He says that thing about like, did you know the Chinese used to start over? Every eight years is a different person. I, I don't think that that's true. But uh, <laughs> well, they do say people change on average their careers three times in their life. Now. Yeah, and it goes up every ten years. It does kind of like the the prior state that you were in when you like completely change your career. It becomes kind. Of, you might experience this a little bit, but like it becomes kind of dreamlike, like mm. to remember, like after enough time elapses, where you're like. Wow, I use I I was on permanent vacation for seven years, <laughs> and I just How like did I did, live on no money. I just did illustration that I got a job out of a computer, and then I like painted a picture in my boxer shorts, scanned it and sent it over the computer, and got some kind of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, but like it it feels like so far away after a while that it almost like starts to feel like a dream. You'll I think you'll you'll regain touch with it just because it's. It's become common that if you want to be a part of the middle class in the future, you have to have multiple streams of income. That's the only way way to it anymore. Oh, Jesse, I'm not going to be part of the middle class. <laughs> <laughs> the disappearing middle class? Yeah. What middle class? Right. Yeah. Well, the upper class, too. They, have, they you definitely can all have multiple keep up incomes. with your hobby crafts if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to the top. <laughs> You're going to get your druid robes. You're going to start burning effigies. <laughs> yeah. That's my dream. I was Man, thinking... More in common with the rich, maybe, finally. Now that Shapeways has made 3D printing so cheap, we should definitely make ourselves some special special club rings, some special skull and bone rings. I'll totally do that. <laughs> but it has to be cool looking. It, yeah. I'm not going to wear like, something made out of pipeline wire. Or no, 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 no. Oh, you can, can design like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why are you doing these rings? So that we can so be, have our special society. society. Our secret oh. society. Although it's not really secret now, Ugh. is it? <laughs> right. Well, that's mm. the best part of both. Did you ever do them? Because Jesse told me you were going to do a muffins cover. Did you ever do it? Uh, uh, well, I, did, I actually did a bunch of songs uh, with explosions and machine gun noises. Nice. Oh, so in a way. So it kind of is the muffins. <laughs> the He's become the muffins. <laughs> that's cool. That actually should be the name of your uh, next album is The Muffins, because you got the whole breakfast <laughs> thing going on. If you've got the machine gun noises, take it back. What breakfast thing? Oh, just that the other two albums are breakfast related, but I'm not going to do that anymore. What? It's over. Your breakfast, your breakfast theme is done. Yeah. You're going to disappoint all your fans. <laughs> I was actually, com- I commented on Twitter the other day that like it's hard to find a metal album that really works with breakfast a metal album <laughs> yeah like because you might want to listen to like metal in the metal morning. in the morning but then when you really start to think about it you're like it's a bit dark that's you know, yeah. a bit much you know but uh, there the urge is <laughs> the urge is still there like because it's kind of like the same thing as how like my two favorite breakfast movies are like the Passion and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Those are your breakfast movies. I like to watch that stuff really early in the day. The Passion is so gross. Like the over Passion of the Christ? over Greasy Spoon. Yeah, 
What the fuck? Yeah. So I feel like there must be some way to write metal that like could just be good with your morning coffee and uh, egos. And we'll throw that challenge to you, Dean. (laughs) 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 If anybody can crack the code, it's you. You'll make millions. Okay. (laughs) The first metal breakfast album. (laughs) That would be such a good story to tell bloggers, too. So my friend Todd was really looking for an album to play over breakfast. And I thought, I could do that. So I spent five years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of field testing. I used to send Todd recordings. My wife left me. (laughs) Parents don't talk to me anymore. They took my rabbit. I only sold one copy. (laughs) Todd. He said it was okay. Yeah. (laughs) Not really what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 perfect that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre works for breakfast because it's a it's a vegan film. Yeah, is it kind of? Yeah, no, the whole thing is like a is a vegetarian kind of call to arms because they do all those. If you notice, it, sort of earlier in the film, like they do all these shots of cows, like close ups on the eyes and like all this kind of stuff. And then they they have the guy, like, talking about how they kill cows. And then, like, they start killing the people. And they start doing the same shots. Yeah. And then in the sequel, they have a chili baking contest. And they start... They find out that the secret ingredient in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre chili is that they put human human meat in the chili. Did the sequel... Was the sequel the one that had D-Hop in it? I don't know. I've I've never never really seen it. I I know know that that's what the sequel is. There was a sequel with Dennis Hopper... As like some kind of sheriff of uh, the town. Yeah, I really need to rewatch those movies. So I, I, all I remember was that guy in the wheelchair falling down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> he was Come so on, Franklin. Just... It's gonna be a fun trip. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Oh Fuck yeah, that guy. <laughs> he eventually dies, right? Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You actually don't. The other thing is, I don't like horror movies really at all. Yeah. What? Um, but I just like uh, I just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, The Exorcist, and that's about it, really. Like A Shining, I don't even consider a horror movie. Really. No, it's more of a delightful it's like comedy. A comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same with The Fly, right? So these movies I wouldn't consider horror movies. Well, they, but they are horror movies. So they say, but like, what? It's really just like an acting movie about how great Jack Nicholson or Jeff Goldblum is, really. Mm-hmm. And, like, is it really scary? Like, are you scared at all? No, I, I mean, most of the horror movies I like aren't even scary, though. Mm. I, I can't really think of too many movies that actually scare me, though. Yeah, that's true. I don't really... Except for arachnophobia, I don't really get scared <laughs> by Good callback. movies. Yeah. You're pretty deep with the horror movie uh, fandom. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's but... been a couple of times where you've put on, like, a Rob Zombie horror movie for us. Like a th- House of a Thousand Corpses, I think the first time I saw that, I think was at your house. Was it? Yeah, I think I've only seen. That I movie remember like one watching. Time. Uh, me and Lee watched the sequel to that House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects. Oh God! And then uh, I wasn't there. I liked that one more. I, I but this is a funny story. But then I I wasn't there. But somebody asked you. You asked someone else, like a third party, what me and Lee thought of the movie, and found out that we thought it was like stupid. And then you were like viscerally angered what? at that movie. <laughs> yeah, this but, was not that movie. You no, know, you were upset. Like we of didn't that like movie? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You were it like, can't be what like, is their problem? I, no, I, re- I remember this, but I don't. Yeah. Was it actually that movie? That's what I was told. Yeah, that's what I remember. I too. mean, you were also there was. I, I also said like, I didn't like Taken, and you were like, you're you're closed off, man. Like, you, can't, <laughs> you can't open up. <laughs> you just need to relax. That movie's yeah. so entertaining, though. Well, I did change my tune on Taken. Yeah. But, That's a perfect uh, film. Yeah, I just didn't quite get. I wasn't ready. I don't know, it's which is like, weird because I'm a huge Liam Neeson fan. But yeah. uh, I'm, you know. I'm I'm definitely more of a fan of like bad movies. Like, yeah, I, I'm not a huge I, bad movie. Like fan. I I love like shitty '80s horror movies like that are just terribly done. I mm. just I yeah. just get off on. I like on Evil that. Dead Two as much as anybody, but like the whole genre of like bad movies not really my thing. Yeah, it's a thing. I think that like horror fans look like the B horror yeah kind of genre, but yeah. are you laughing pretty much the whole time you're watching them? Or it, it is kind of, it's weird. I don't even like I I can't really tell why I like it. It's I kind of like me and Aaron used to. Like, Aaron kind of got me into that stuff because yeah. we would just he'd have like he had that huge collection of VHS like old like horror movies, and we just sit there and watch like. Rock and Roll Nightmare, like he showed me that. Like, obviously, he showed everybody that movie. <laughs> he, he evangelizes but that movie so hardcore. It's one of the worst movies I, ever. I made, really think I like he should, in some way, turn that into a presentation that some... can be put on the internet. <laughs> the TED Talk, like yeah, before he retires it. Yeah. I think he's might have retired. He might have retired it. I wonder if he brings it up to his students. <laughs> I don't I got, know. I got all. Well, he got he got rid of all his old VHS, so I tried to grab whatever was left mm. but he wouldn't give me rock and roll nightmare oh, <laughs> he's, he's gonna got frame that it one. nice and it's signed there's probably like notes it's signed by mm. thor he got it oh signed. really <laughs> that we, night we that went to you the, went to the concert right? oh no we went again to the viewing <laughs> they had it at uh <laughs> like in toronto should do it he chokeslammed the uh, like before the movie started he chokeslammed the guy through a table who what guy or Choke slammed who? Like the guy, this guy does the introduction to the movie, and then Thor comes out and choke slams him off the stage into. You should table. do a. You should do like a, a two sentence review of what exactly the <laughs> Royal Nightmare well, is and who Thor, who Thor is and the backstory. Oh well, Thor was what eighties metal god, I guess Canadian metal. Well, god. actually, he was first. He was, I guess, like uh, he was a bodybuilder. He all, wanted to be like all I think he wanted are. to be like Schwarzenegger at the time. Okay, he was like Canadian Schwarzenegger, which was really like a really bad a poor man Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and then he yeah. got into hair metal and uh, started releasing albums. <laughs> and, and then he made a movie. some of which include. And then he started making ho- movies, horror movies, and stuff. He was a big comic book nerd too. And so, what's Rock and Roll Nightmare? What's it? What's it all about? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Thor goes up to uh, uh, a recording st- studio in Northern Ontario. That's <laughs> <laughs> that same van shot over and over. Yeah, again. the van shot that was so funny because he ex- kind of explains it at the the thing how they the, the movie needed um, twenty more minutes to <laughs> hit the mark that they needed, so they added twenty minutes of this van driving <laughs> to the studio. <laughs> 
And then when, when we watched in the... Because, like, most of the time whenever I watch that movie, like, with Aaron, we just skip to the last 15 minutes. Yeah. But we, when you're in the theater and you watch the whole fucking thing and it's, like, 20, 25 minutes of this van just driving over a hill, and like, it was just cracking everybody up because they couldn't believe how... Because he just told everybody that that's why it's there and then we're just sitting there looking at it for, like, 25 minutes of... What is it? He added it out now that it's... Oh, it's a masterpiece. You can't <laughs> touch that shit. <laughs> what is he, George Lucas? <laughs> and all the sock puppet demons. <laughs> there's these tiny, there's these little and sock the, puppet troll doll things that keep popping up in, in various scenes and just like drooling. Yeah. <laughs> they don't... They're so cute. <laughs> and, and, he, it... and there's like all these weird sex scenes. Oh yeah, just, yeah, like yeah. peppered in. You can see Thor's ass a bunch of times in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, eventually they find out that the thing that's been killing everybody is it Satan himself, or is it some sort of demon? It's Satan, right? Yeah, because he said he. No, it's, it is Satan. Because he calls him by but like a bunch of different names, and then he's like, "So you see, I do know you." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So he sort of demonstrated his learning there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't. It, it just doesn't make any sense because the whole movie is like banging all these girls and they're like recording this record, but it was all just to to lure the devil out. <laughs> oh, that was his plan. Oh, because yeah. he's like the inter interceptor inter or something. Yeah, intercessor. <laughs> so that was his plan all along was to to bring the devil. The out. devil comes out, and then Thor re reveals himself to be the intercessor, and he gets like even bigger hair metal hair. Yeah, and, and, and makeup, and a studded leather thong, and go-go <laughs> boots, and a cape. And he's and all oiled up, and then the devil throws rubber starfish at him <laughs> that somehow always hit his nipples. And he squeezes it like yeah. it, kinda, it, it hurts, but it hurts kind of good. Yeah. It's so good. He's like, oh, oh, he tears him off his body. We accept the challenge. And it plays it. We accept the challenge, and then he picks the devil up by the ankles and kind of spins him around in a circle. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so good. And somehow he dies, or does he throw him through a portal or something? Oh, he doesn't really die. He just kind of turns into smoke, and he's like, "I'll be back," kind of thing. <laughs> but he never was. Yeah, they never. Really, I think they might have made a sequel now. Mm hmm. I think I heard something about a sequel. Like recently, they made. Yeah. It? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. Dean dragged me to the the screen the screening at the Blur Cinema, and Thor appeared in person. Oh, you were there, and you were there for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he had like a blonde wig on, and a onesie black leotard and i think was it a i don't know what else like accessories i think he may have had a pink boa i don't know and he kind of he came like he is tried he, to surprise the crowd by saying you know ladies and gentlemen rock and roll nightmare he was at the back of the audience and everyone turned around and you'd expect everyone to go wow thor but he was unrecognizable he just looked like some fat drag queen <laughs> <laughs> And then, like Dean said, he went on stage and he chokeslammed the MC and stuff, and they right. started the movie. He's he like I met him like that time in the time when he played in Hamilton. He was really nice. He's really old. Mm. He he couldn't he couldn't even see like he had these like big Coke bottle kind of glasses to like sign uh, Aaron's uh, VHS tape. He signed a brick for me because I couldn't find anything. I'm like, sign this brick. <laughs> Do you still have it? No. Oh, Dean. I know. Kept yeah, that you probably should have kept that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, that was the brush with celebrity. 
I'm, I'm sad that I defended the... I really wish it wasn't Devil's Rejects. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you... Was it for sure that movie? Because that's so disappointing. I, I, that is definitely... Although, I don't think that movie is that terrible for Rob... That's yeah, the, we had an extremely negative reaction to it, so maybe, like, that prompted you to... Like, out of to, all the Rob Zombie movies that he ever did... Well, I haven't seen the other ones. Till this day, that's by far the best one that he did, and I don't yeah. think he's even going to do anything better than that. <laughs> so. Quit now, Rob. You'll never top it. <laughs> yeah. Because those Halloween movies he did were fucking... And I didn't like House of the Thousand Corpses. Mm. I didn't really like that movie. I went on a date to the the Halloween Rob Zombie thing, and I pretty much made out through the entire movie. Nice. It, it was kind of a record, and I, so I have no memory. You of made anything. out in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. How old were you? I was an adult. This was only a few years ago. The were Halloween. There, the, were there people sitting behind you? The Rob Zombie back row. You go. You sit oh, in the back okay. row, and right. in a movie that's not popular like Halloween, the place is practically empty. Mm. You can get away with a lot of shit. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I see. I thought you were into that stuff because like Shannon was into that stuff. But yeah, I guess no, Aaron, I was. I, Darren was, Aaron was I mean, too. That was kind of one of the things we bonded over. Was like, but I. But she was like a lot. Um, I don't know if she was really that much into that stuff. Oh. Okay. Well, she caught like she was, but I, th- I think I was more into it than she even was. She looked the part more than i did though (laughs) (laughs) the thing that fucking drove me crazy about that house of a thousand corpses and i think she was also in devil's rejects was it the the wife rob zombie's wife so bad so annoying that laugh and the 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 jump cuts and the the crazy zooms on her face while she's like laughing and shooting guns and stuff it's just like oh god turn this off please (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. When it comes to la- like laughing through a movie, that's not really you're not s- really supposed to be laughing. I'm more like in the action genre. Oh, like, like a- Commando or something. Yeah, like I laughed through Mission Impossible Two mm-hmm. in the theater. The, the motorcycle really jump. Yeah, and just like he'll always like walk past his enemies. Like before, like the attack begins, he'll just walk right past him, just like. And like Give him a little cruise. A, a whole thing of doves will just like. Oh my god! I really don't nowhere. remember any of those movies. Yeah, so that I like that. That's pretty. Cool. I saw them. I guess I saw one, one or two of them in the theater. And that's how many did they make? A bunch. I haven't seen them all. I just saw. I saw one, which was actually a pretty good movie. I definitely saw the first one in the theater, and then the second one, I like laughed through the entire thing, and then I I didn't see the third one. I me and Deanna went to see the most recent one. Was that and, the and that was kind Philip of, Seymour Hoffman one, or is there no? One? That's the he's third in one. one. That's the yeah. third one. He's he's in the third one. He plays an arms dealer. I actually kind of wanted to see that one because Philip Seymour Hoffman was the bad guy, but I I never got around to it. Mm. Yeah. It's probably good. I mean, like the thing about Tom Cruise is he never dips below a certain level of quality. Like they're funny and over the top and stuff, but it, they're like technically well-made movies. They don't really drag and yeah. Because I wonder if that still rings true. I watched that Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, well, everybody. And was that was that. ridiculous. You didn't like it. Oh man, people have been saying how. You, oh man, like I know it's not supposed to be good, but it's so good. It's not so good. Oh, Todd. Wow. Yeah. Oh, because mm. I just been hearing I, everybody saying like. Go check it out, well, man. It's good one. I mean, it depends on what you're comparing it to. Like, I am... I guess in the last... 
couple of years at least. The last two or three years, I haven't been watching a lot of movies. Like, I'll see one or two movies. Really? really? You used yeah. to be movie guy. I know. I don't really watch movies anymore. So, and I think that in the past, like, three or four years, the quality of movies, like, even at the Hollywood level, has been, like, lowered substantially mm. like so that people like they watch like avengers and stuff and they're like oh that was so good so well done i watched that movie and i was like i feel like i'm being insulted right now right i i i i was talking about this even today like they yeah. all those fucking movies are the exact same story arc yeah. every time yeah. and like so, you know i'm usually into it for the first half hour and then and then it starts going into this kind of whatever territory and then by the end the last 40 minutes of every single one of those movies is exactly the same. Yeah. Massive explosions and blah blah blah. blah. Are they just... contractually obligated to blow up a new model of New York City each movie? Like, or can you recycle the same models and stuff? Because why would they remodel it every time? I think that they must use. Oh, if it's the same, the same... studios, then they're reusing all. They got to be reusing elements. Yeah, that'd be too much work otherwise. Mm. And that's, that's probably biggest, efficient. That's the biggest um, qualm I have with it. But I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. Like, everybody's freaking out about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I watched it. It's just like there's something tiring about watching all those movies. Yeah, like, there's, I agree. It's just like, oh, here's... And then, you know, how many times are they going to make the joke about the tights? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, where to get these duds or whatever. And you're right. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, Grown. Like, Tim Burton did that, what, Batman? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. the first Batman. Actually, I read an article with him today or yesterday... And he was saying like how he's so fed up with that whole thing. Well, he's been saying that for a long time. Although with Tim Burton, it's hard to tell like what is honest critique and what is like sour <laughs> yeah, grapes. Co- oh yeah, you think <laughs> you he's- know? And same with like David Cronenberg. I don't know. A lot of these got like they'll say stuff like that, and I don't know if it was anybody else. I'd agree, but with some of these guys, I'm like, well, he kind of you kind of. Are jealous, I think. Well, Tim Burton kicked it Tim all Bur- off. Yeah, but then he was denied the chance to do Superman. Ah, uh, right, that whole Nick 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 Nicolas Cage, Cage thing. thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, but he did say maybe. that maybe I, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was thirty-seven to fifty or something more superhero movies slated for the next five years. Yeah, yeah there's a Disney's lot going hardcore with all yeah. of this stuff. They want like, they got. I just read today that they got the rights for Spider-Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. they made a deal so with can, Sony, or so they can like do yeah. the thing now. I will Avengers. say though, like for Tim Burton, I watched the uh, first half of the first Batman movie like recently. Yeah, and I like I appreciated it on a whole new level, mm. like which you wouldn't think could happen for me. Well, like, you at this fucking point. love that movie, though. But I noticed something about Michael Keaton's performance when I watched it this time. Whenever he's any, he's anywhere like is as Bruce Wayne. He seems to be walking around like as if he can't really believe the world that he's in. Like right. he has like this like lost look on his face the whole time, and I was almost like reading it as. This thing about him being bat, like the whole movie, like he's almost hallucinating that he's Batman or something. <laughs> like, is it kind of seem that because he doesn't seem like he would be Batman outwardly to look at him, and then just if you watch his performance, he's always like as Batman, he's like super lost and kind of like it's really interesting actually if you watch I, it. Again. I gotta watch it. Is this because you saw Birdman and then I haven't seen Birdman. Uh, okay. I gotta see. I haven't that. watched it. Cool. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just like the performance it was really interesting, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I tried what I did watch Batman 2 again. 
I watched it last night. Uh, that I mean, I he don't... doesn't do it in that one because I... I remember I can I can even just think through the scenes in my head like in chronological order. But I think by that time in Batman Two is still a great movie, but the performance is not the same. I don't, I don't know if it's a great movie. I mean, I, I remember even going to the theater. And well, it's not Apocalypse Now, but no, it's, no. I mean, I remember yeah. going to the theater and after seeing Batman One, which I liked a lot, but mm-hmm. and not liking Batman Two, mm-hmm. and I, I I do like it. I still have nostalgic feelings, and obviously Michelle Pfeiffer is like the ultimate right. fantasy for me in that movie. She's but. awesome. Christopher Walken's awesome. Danny DeVito and like Tim uh, Burton's treatment of the Penguin. It's all really creative. Yeah, like, I mean, like, that was the whole thing. Like, the I, I, I understood it more, and especially watching Tim Burton and, like, the big duck and all that stuff. Like, I, I understood why I was there, and especially in, in retrospect, but I didn't, I just don't like that for some reason. It, just, mm-hmm. it was definitely weird. Well, it was, it was definitely not as good as the first one. Yeah. But uh, it still had quite a bit to recommend it. I think it, like, it became a bit more of a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um. The second one, which is interesting, it seems to happen with like directors. Like they kind of try to make it the, their own. Right? They get the license and then like they start to be like, "Okay, Batman I'm going to make three my own that movie." That just came out. Those... Yeah, we've already done a whole podcast oh, yeah, about my feelings know. about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they I, I, I listen to that. They just get like a. I think they get a sense that they are better than the material. Right. After a while, and they forget that like the only reason you have the chance to do anything you're doing is because you did Batman. Mm-hmm. And so, whoop. And now he can't do... I saw that at, um, Interstellar, actually. Oh, how is that? It's good. I didn't think it was that great. That's I've heard mixed things on that one. I was like, not not that it's bad, and not that there's anything I could point to and say, like, that's bad. There was just nothing that I thought was exceptionally good about it. It had... I thought it had three scenes that were exceptionally good, and then the rest of it was just good. It was a good like, yeah, popcorn I'd movie. Yeah, I'd give it, like, a B. But I mean, it, I mean, now he sells himself as basically like a, a visual effects director, like kind of a Spielberg or whatever. And uh, but it's just it was the same kind of tricks, like the same I'm going to flip the world upside down on itself that he did in Inception. I didn't see any technological breakthrough. The wave planet was pretty cool. It was a big wave. But mm-hmm. uh, and then like, I don't know, it seemed to suffer from being like trying to be like this effects movie on the one hand and then trying to have this emotional core on the other. And I felt like neither was really accomplished like mm-hmm. because of the uh, influence of the I other. Mean, I could kind of see that. I, I, I think what, what I do like about, and I haven't seen that movie, but mm-hmm. what I have liked about his films is that there isn't that many Hollywood films that are uh, original anymore. Mm-hmm. So he's, I, at least he's trying to make these scripts that are Hollywood I, I, he's probably like somehow he's got a right to these like epic proportions, like yeah, where it's like need a giant wave and all these effects so they can actually compete with like Avengers and all these other movies and still bill it as a a blockbuster Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. Except that because that's how in, Inception kind of his most him. successful movie. Well, actually, I don't I don't know if Inception was even more popular or Interstellar, but The Dark Knight wasn't like that, and it was plenty popular. So, yeah, but it is a superhero movie. Yeah, and you've right. got the Joker in it, which kind of yeah. leads to yeah, more. Yeah, okay, but buzz. I don't know if I've seen the proof <clears throat> that you have to have these like huge 
big explosions for, and huge stakes for, for, for a movie to for a movie to sell. I think maybe. I'm pretty sure that that's what Hollywood thinks you have to do. Yeah, that's but what, I don't that's know if it's I'm, true. That's what you know. You never know what's going to get popular. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying I'm I'm sure that there's a standard in Hollywood because obviously if they're pumping out all these Marvel movies, yeah, yeah. like or they're just because like the I mean maybe it's not as much now, but like for the last like what five years, it's just all been regurgitation of different mm-hmm. shit that worked in the past like the yeah robocop and total recall and all that which i which didn't was watch, ruined yeah. fucking i I'm i just sure looked at terrible. that costume the robocop costume and i was like did you guys not go to see that no no, no, I, no, no i refuse no. to watch both no no movies. way as they soon as i saw the costume i was me. like i am not watching this it's part of yeah. a, a bigger trend where they're trying to sell our childhoods back to us every aspect of it and I'm tired of it. I'm moving on. I wouldn't be tired of it if it was done well. Yeah. Like when I heard that, although my like op- opinion of Darren Aronofsky is kind of coming to flux like with this Noah movie. <laughs> which one? The Noah movie, which was terrible. Mm. But, um, but prior to Somebody that. Somebody told me that I had to watch that movie. It's, it's a bit like Lord of the Rings, it's surprisingly. Bad. Really? It's kind of an alternative Middle Earth type of thing. And there's roving clans of kind of post-industrial type warrior people and noah is like one of the last of the descendants of uh, adam and eve's kids but like the good one not cain like cain slew abel and then all of his descendants ended up being evil so noah and his family are living in this kind of weird middle earth type of world where all of cain's people are industrialized and are are trying to drive everything into extinction right and noah noah's family is kind of the last of these like vegetarian holistic people and they make a relationship with these fallen angels which are like encased in stone so they're big rock monsters people and you're making the right face right now (laughs) i didn't that's as far as i got that's as far as i got it's not good he had a dream but the but but before he made that movie like he was gonna do for a while he was gonna do wolverine Mm -hmm. and then i was really excited because it was like all that body horror stuff that he put in black swan like if you took that and applied it to wolverine and finally made like a rated r wolverine movie maybe you would have like a good wolverine movie for once and then he quit that and then he was gonna do robocop he was going to do RoboCop for Fuck. a little bit. And I was really excited because I'm like, RoboCop actually, more than a lot of our childhood stuff, I feel like if it was approached in a fresh way, could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Because There's Robo- a lot you could do with the material. Because yeah, RoboCop, like the first one, even though it's a perfect film, like he's very much an industrial robot, right? Whereas if you did it now in the information age... You could do like a like we're already seriously talking about like p- downloading people's brainwaves into a computer. Mm-hmm. Like, so you could imagine like all kinds of things about the nature of self you could explore. Like once his mind is digitized, can it be split into different parts and put into multiple bodies? Like there's all kinds of like, you know, does his consciousness like is he more effective if his consciousness is dissipated into like a larger network? And then does he have to like you know, sacrifice himself to be a more effective crime fighter as part of this network, and but sort of it's a form of suicide. Like, there's all these kinds of interesting things you could do with that. And based on the costume that I saw and what actually resulted, like, I doubt well, they, that any they of that was the whole, they went with the whole Batman... Dark Knight. He was yeah. riding on the motorcycle. He had the like, body uh, armor. Fuck. Yeah. But then again, I guess, I, I guess the other hand is like, 
if they were to make a cyborg robot now, like it, would, they couldn't make this '80s clunky version. That I, I mean, I like how slow and clunky is, but that that mm. wouldn't be realistic to now, would it? Like, but on the well, other hand, like you see did... double amputees and stuff getting robotic limbs I, nowadays, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's very cur- similar to it RoboCop. Is, it's true. They're we're not even at the point where they could make this like guy that's spinning around doing pinball kicks. What I shit. thought they would do was like basically use like the. Yoda. Uh, the costume, like the the old one, it, it looked a, it looks a little funny because like it, it was just a costume that this guy wore. Whereas like you could make it, you could do so. Part of the costume is worn, but other parts is like that middle torso part, the black part. It could be like shrunk down. Like part of that can be computer animated, so it was just like maybe like a black like metallic like spinal column or like you know how they did AI where like there's parts of the body that are like mm. cut away and yeah, like robot yeah. stuff put in they could have done that like it could have been way cooler looking mm. instead of like even worse than an 80s you know <laughs> yeah. i mean i didn't watch suit. it but i yeah. I, I just because he didn't look like a robot to me no in they the just look like a guy in a fucking black suit i also yeah. thought that it, immediately i wasn't interested in did you watch it, it after i saw the trailer and it was going through the same robocop scenario as the first movie Except with no teeth. So, like, instead of being a a beat cop who's working for a corporation and gets assassinated by gangsters, he's, like, a family man, and his... He's always a family man. car bomb. That's, like, the the best, like, PG-13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was was a a family man before, but I think they make a bigger deal of it in the the new movie. What I mean when I'm painting the scenario is, like, in the trailer, it visibly shows him coming out of a suburban house and then getting blown up by a car bomb and like i can't yeah. think of a, a better way to do like a pablum version yeah of that especially when you consider story. when you consider what happened in the to him in the first one i mean yeah that was yeah. the thing like at that time with all those 80s movies it's like you you're hitting like hyper violence mm-hmm. yeah and I, I i don't know i grew up with that like that was like what that, i think robocop was the first really like graphically violent movie I, I remember seeing me too and especially the uncut version so to for them to like take all that out in a new version i'm like if this is actually marketed towards me then you have completely yeah. who is this movie for it's like if, yeah. if you grew do up you at that time how? like i would want like like just fucking if you're gonna do that scene over again just go over the top do you know how many blood squibs they exploded in the first RoboCop? It Man, broke some kind of record. That that scene was horrifying. Oh Where yeah, he gets shot up and then he gets the surgery done on him, and it was just so graphic. I couldn't even believe what I was watching. Yeah, it was like, yeah, hand getting blown off, and-, and it's it's so indicative of a lot of those '80s movies in that like. It, technically it's a popular film like it's just supposed to be popcorn entertainment for people but they're able to to dramatize scenarios that make you feel something oh yeah like, when i watched that first um you know execution scene on robocop when i was probably what 13 or 14 it like makes you queasy oh it's... and then like the whole like post-op thing where he's in the hospital and stuff that the way that they dramatize that and the way that they stage it feels like you're in a hospital. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like you're watching a movie about a hospital. Did you know that Deanna, like when she was a little girl, mm. she like she was a big RoboCop fan? I guess from the uh, cartoon or something <laughs> like that. What the fuck? And, yeah, and she would like she would like I guess encounter like 
pictures of RoboCop, like in regular life. And her parents like taught her this, like, I guess she, they had, she had like a Chinese thing that she would say about RoboCop. And it was like, <laughs> Teet Cop Bang Bang Shun, or like something <laughs> like that. Something kind of like that. And it, it means like RoboCop fires his, Machine Cop fires his gun or something like that. <laughs> Machine Cop. So just, I mean, it's just a cute story, but it's like the, even <clears throat> RoboCop, like this R-rated movie, like the, this little Chinese girl, like that movie was popular. <laughs> but yeah. it was different then, right? Because yeah. um, there, I, I don't know, there was kids movies like, and all that stuff, but I, I, I distinctly recall anything that was R-rated, especially when I was like below the age of being able to watch them. Mm-hmm. Was made amazing. me want yeah. to watch all those fucking movies. That was yeah. what it was about. Like, yeah. getting to see it, you like felt like a badass. Like, oh man! And I thank God like, because they're the most effective when you see them at that age. Like well, when yeah, you're like, an adult and you watch any of that, that shit, has no effect. It doesn't. You. you don't feel anything anymore. And I wonder about all that stuff when it comes to like policing and having an age cut off for things like porn and f- for violent movies because it's the most fun to watch all that stuff when you're a kid. Well, that's. I, I mean, I saw Predator at the same around the same yeah. time mm-hmm. yeah. when I was eleven. All that stuff, and, and there was that ultra violence to the eighties. So I don't know, like, which is weird because it was like Reaganism at the time. I it's know like, why was it so violent I, at I this think, at this point. In... I think part of it was it was like the peak of of uh, practical effects as well, though. Mm-hmm. I think they were like hitting this point, like whereas now, like they if they're gonna do like a blockbuster movie, it has to have like giant tidal waves or like huge ex- like cities getting destroyed yeah. i think then like the peak was like massacring like Realistic the human body massacre. like yeah. with like all this prosthetics right? you still see yeah. that vibe or, or big through. monsters or whatever yeah you still see that that blend of pop entertainment and conservative politics on fox news though like to this day where they have conservative politics blended with um sex and violence on at nighttime like you need that release we in your real life, we're clamping down on your rights and stuff and building like a fascist kind of utopia. And then in your entertainment, you get to like have a bit of release where you got lots of sex and lots of violence. That's how they like to balance things out. Whereas like the liberals and the Clintonites and stuff, it was like more personal freedom, but we're going to censor all your movies and stuff. Al Gore is going to come and tell you that you can't put blood squids, squibs in movies anymore. It's funny how they, they had contrast that way. Mm-hmm. Kick out the president for getting a blowjob. That's the only reason to get to become president. Nice oh, <laughs> <laughs> other Thanks, reasons. <laughs> and podcast. Pon podcast. The podcast. Podcast. <laughs> oh God. But it, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So you know. But speaking of those extremes, I was watching that Vice talk about the Oculus porn. Oh, which is on its way. It's funny. It's so funny because me and my cousin totally predicted this. Or like, I think everyone did. I guess so. But now it's like coming. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's kind of going hand in hand with what you're saying, right? If that does come through, I mean, that are there going to be people though? Like, you know how there's people who like, despite the 3D stuff that they do in movies and everything now, like just like the the traditional film, like film stock, the, the 2D picture. Can like, I just? Can we just go back to the 30 second porn clips? Yeah, it was yeah, like low resolution on YouTube. 30 second quick time porn. Pile. That yeah. was my favorite. I like the variety. Well, I like well, the convenience. The, what? What? The conversation I wanted to say about that was 
let's say you have like all these you know sexual deviants that like rape culture and all this Mm, stuff interesting how does that play out when you have something like oculus like is this gonna make it less like like like, let's say they can live out their like they can Mm -hmm. fucking ass fuck a shark or something like do whatever the fuck you want yeah are you gonna still feel like the need because apparently they're saying that places that do have access to porn and stuff there's like less sexual violence deviancy yeah dan savage talks about this actually oh really he talks about i think the way to sum up his point is that it's the repression that leads to people doing harm to one another like this idea that um you can completely bury somebody's sexual impulses oh and my god okay i just they won't explode i think this is like that point is like larger than just sex though oh totally like i've yeah, had yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a i've had a couple conversations with people where like i just get the feeling that i mean when you see like not only the sex stuff but like depression rates and all this mm-hmm. stuff like we're more and more living in like a society where people can't have authentic experiences Mm -hmm. like the kind of authentic experiences that they have like evolved to deal with through most of human evolution. Right. And like an example, well, like we we don't like exchange like, you know, violence or like any kind of extra, like if you think about like the kind of experiences that like people would have, like even in the middle ages or something like that, like you, you, we're not going to war. Like, you know, I've yeah, never been in an adult fight in my life. And it, I mean, if that did happen, I'm sure like like the guys who actually went to war like in World War One, like you would never want to go again. Right. But then like there's something about the absence of any of that that like does something to you, too. I think where you're just like not that I because rationally you're like, yes, I don't want to go to war. Mm. But I think on some subconscious level, there's an unfulfilled level in people where like you feel like you're not authentically living a human and that's life. that's a really extreme example but if you watch the warner herzog documentary happy people life on the taga they, it follows a bunch of um siberian um hunter gatherer type of people they're not hunter ga- like they're hunter gatherers but they have a, a semi 20th century lifestyle like they'd have snowmobiles and a house and stuff like that but basically um, the husband makes money by going away into the woods for six months of the year and trapping minks and the mother stays at home with like her relatives and the kids and they have like a really a lifestyle that's very similar to way our ancestors generations ago lived and they're very content and I think that like Todd's using a really ex- extreme example of, of like we don't have war as much as like generations ago, but even something well, as simple as like being able we to don't personally, but yeah, 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 yeah people do, but not in North America. Um, even as simple as like growing your own food, um, tending animals, like having a connection to like what you eat and what you do and stuff is, is something that's become really tenuous. Like it's, it's possible nowadays to be a completely disengaged person like where you can just go to work, you can have all your food provided to you, and you don't need to move your body most of the day. Like these are all very well. Imagine things. if your sexual desires are completely digital too. Digital, mm. uh, your everything. Like it's not gonna. It's, it's weird. I don't know where where it's going, but it's definitely gonna go further that way. If you look at just even like the, how much cell phones have changed everybody's lives in the last five six years, even. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's only going to go further that way. Mm. So I can't see it going back. There is a counter trend, though. Like, I do know a lot of people that have adopted kind of Graham's lifestyle where they spend time doing digital kind of labor and then it's to pay for adventures mountain biking or mountain climbing or doing jujitsu or, or whatever. Like That's interesting, physical. Like, the way you put it. Like, is it's kind of like <clears throat> up north they uh, have sort of a mixed economy. Like a lot of the Aboriginal peoples who work up north, like they participate in the wage economy, a lot of them, like only to the extent that they need to to pay for the tools to go hunting mm-hmm. and do like traditional activities that they like find value in mm-hmm. which is sort of similar and you wonder like i don't know maybe the the way the wage economy is going where like wages are insecure um maybe you start to s- rather than like we expect the wage economy as it was in the 20th century to move north to aboriginal peoples it'd be interesting if maybe their way of life Moves as it stands now with the mixed trickles economy down. trickles down to us in the south yeah that does make a lot of sense because you can imagine if people had a cultural change, it would become more, people would become more comfortable with the idea that like you just go into work in order to get the basic necessities to pay for your, your rent and stuff. And then the rest of your life is spent doing the, the fun uh, things. I mean, that I feel like that's already my life. I, mm-hmm. And that's what, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not fucking rich, but I don't, I don't feel like a poor person in any kind of way. I mean, yeah. We're all lucky. We all have food. We all have water. Like, you have everything you could possibly want. We're very privileged in, like, just our basic necessities that, yeah, I, I go to work. I get whatever I need to done. I, I And, like, I'm actually, like, you know, maybe a, f- a few years ago when I first started getting into the arts and stuff, it was very frightening to be under contract but now i I don't know if i'd want to be a full-time employee like i'm like on the other end of the spectrum now where i'm like i can't wait till my contract's over because i know that i have all these projects and things that i want to do that i'm going to be able to fulfill and i've saved up money to do that so it's like to me i'm just working because i saving up to do things that i want to do and then the strange thing too is from the point of view of your employer it opens up a lot of interesting things because there's not that pressure to keep the company and the staff going um full time and it probably changes the way that they take on projects where they say like well maybe this isn't for us they can pass on things because they know they can collapse back down if they don't have work for everybody yeah, I mean, you know I mean, I don't think they any company wants to collapse back down. But I mean, if there's nothing going on, you're not going to be there, and that's just how it is. But uh, I think the idea of having this like illusion of security. I mean, I don't think anybody has any security, even if you are a full time employee, and like the way everything is now. I don't, I don't think there's like any kind of secure job unless maybe it's a government job or something like. No, that. no, <laughs> no. I don't know. You would know about that. The government, the g- government work, like at least if you're talking about the public surf- uh, service, is like they constantly like try to do like rolling waves of cuts, <clears throat> like because regular people don't respect the job that the public service does like that because they don't hear from public servants they only hear from politicians who talk Uh about like the inefficiency in government and and they're like oh these public servants right like they're wasting the the taxpayers money right so those are the people that get the so those are the people who will get cut 
right? And sometimes you, um, I mean, the public service also, I mean, like any bureaucratic organization, it does have a tendency to grow if you don't pay attention. But these kind of rolling cuts that like don't even seem tied to performance or anything, like it's in some ways it's a thankless position because like no one's going to defend a public servant, right? So I'm just a little well, a I, little I, plug, a little plug. Yeah, for, well, I uh, mean, because for me, like I don't right. know shit about it, right? So public servant just sounds like you're just mowing the lawn. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people. Well, and there there is some of that, right? Because. Um, there, there are people who do that because it is very hard to uh, fire public servants and stuff. But if there's actually, but cuts at the same from the time, going like, like we gotta kind of, yeah, yeah. These are the people who are like delivering your services, and you know, like they're really the intercessor <laughs> with uh, <laughs> you and between you and the government that get the day to day stuff of government done. So. If you are behind, like, politicians, like, instituting these cuts, like, just um, off the bat without hearing, okay, well, what specifically are you cutting? Don't be surprised if, like, the service that you get, like, you know, from the post office or from, you know, on a day-to-day level when you interface with government is is worse. Mm. I, I remember years ago we were talking about stuff like this and people were debating um, healthcare in Canada and you had a really good pithy response to any kind of criticism of the Canadian healthcare system. It's like anytime people criticize something, you're, you're like, you're right. It's underfunded. That's the problem. Like the the problem is that like we keep on um, electing governments that try to like save money and they slash these programs and then we are all poorer for it because the service isn't delivered at a high enough quality. Yeah, you have to be, you just... Really, like, the problem is that the citizen has to be really informed to understand mm-hmm. these issues because politicians, like, they're always a mixture of truth and, you know, conveniently left out other truths, right? Right. Because you can always, like, anecdotally, you can always find examples of where the thing you're talking about exists, where there is waste or, like, where there is corruption. And the other thing is, like, government, like, it's huge. It's enormous. Even like something like Aboriginal Affairs, like that department is so enormous that like there's going to be inefficiencies if you do anything at all, right? Like so money is going to be misspent, you know? That's inevitable unless we shrink government down to the time to the size where all they do is fund police services to make sure that you can't take money from rich people. If you want any, if you want any social services, you, there's going to be inefficiencies you can point to just because of the sheer scale yeah. of government. And try running any business. You're going to have uh, things where you make mistakes, things that go over budget, yada yada yada. That's fucking life. The thing that I've been noticing, like in my adult life, is watching the debate over something like let's let's buy new streetcars for Toronto. Right? You'll think you'll find that like conveniently the right wing lines up against these projects and they say like, oh, we want like the budget slashed by 30% and oh, why do they have to have leather seats? Why can't we just have, you know, synthetic velour on everything? And, you know, how do we get the lowest bid contract for this project? Step by step by step. So that when the thing is finally delivered, people are unhappy with it. And then the right wing can say like, see, we should have let the private sector deliver the thing and it would be better. You know, it kind of fits into this broader, like, big picture where they I just don't take see advantage the, of the fact. I, I, I feel like with everything that can't, like, especially Toronto has done, has, like, been a total half-off. 
Mm. Like, they've never followed through on anything, like, 100% the way it should have been done. And, like, the AGO is a perfect example of that. The fucking Gardener is a perfect example of that. The TTC is a perfect example of that. They just fucking paid for it up front, did the job right, paid the extra money then. Yeah. It would have saved them so much money. Like, we, mm-hmm. we've, we've blown millions and probably billions of dollars by now just doing assessments on the fucking TTC, let alone building anything. So, like, Mm -hmm. at this point, like, just fucking do something. Get it done. Do whatever it is that needs to be done that's correct. Just do it. Whatever the fuck it costs, just fucking do it. Because it's only going to be more expensive in five years from now. Like, every year that goes by, it's just going to cost more for everybody. And the thing that I think that you could argue about somebody like Obama in the States, right? This should be like the the giant warning sign for anybody who wants to do like a progressive piece of legislation or like government spending is like if you do it right, if you go overboard and over deliver and make something awesome, you will get like tertiary benefits from that for generations. If you compromise and you deliver something that's kind of a half-assed version of the thing that you campaigned on, not only will all of your enemies still hate you. But all of the people that supported you are going to go like, well, fuck, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry we supported that thing. Like, they didn't it's come t- through. It's tough, though, because, I mean, in politics, you have to get through tomorrow, like, to see the yeah. and the, there's the so longer-term benefit. And-, and the media, like, doesn't really do their research anymore. They just um, are looking for, like, the quick saleable headline, right? So, like, I mean, the you know... The public service of the government is not always right, but I don't think whether that it's right or wrongness is really what is driving the media to get on side or not in a project. I I actually have a big beef with like how the media spins stuff because it's not always in like the best interest of what's actually going on. It's all about clicks. Mm. Yeah. So they're like pushing the wrong agendas. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't even probably shouldn't even bring it up, but that. whole ferguson thing right like i don't know the details of that case but it's easy to make a a a racial thing Mm. like i'm sure there's a lot of like unjust like white people that have been killed or whatever um but because it's a race thing they can just blow it up into this thing like i don't know fuck all about the case but like i'm just saying it makes headlines so the media is just can spin it and i don't know what the benefit of that is for society because it's like it's just it's it's actually put another racial block between us and the you know like there's a couple of things going on politically i think there's a, a very real militarization of the police going on in north america that people are getting pissed and anxious about. There is a big problem with um, black people getting assaulted and murdered by the police in the States at a greater proportion compared to white people. And then thirdly, um, I forget my third point. I, I don't want to misquote, but that the Ferguson case, like mm. this guy like had just, Oh, I was going to mention just robbed people. Right. Yes. And, the cops went and they had a description of the guy pulled up next to him. He met the description. Yeah. The guy went for his gun and then... The- yeah, apparently he, re- like, allegedly, I guess he reached into the cop car and stuff and tried to gl- grab yeah. the gun out of the car and stuff. So so I, it's I'm, probably I'm, dirty. But like, I'm just saying, yeah. but when you, when you look... Because I'm, I'm not talking about the specifically the case. I'm talking about the media. When the media showed the picture of this guy, they showed a nine-year-old, like, a nine-year-old version with, of, him. of him yeah with his family on christmas mm. 
Like, I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's how the media's spinning it. But also, on the other hand, right, um, the, the, on, on the other hand, like, he's j just, he was kind of like the last straw. So, like, mm -hmm. you're kind of right in saying, like, it was, it may have been a case of excessive force versus, like, deliberate racial, racial-related murder. But there's lots of examples of, like, just random people getting killed by the police for no reason. Like, the one dude that was strangled to death that they're that uh, a few months ago the latest person he was selling he was being accused of selling oh, the illegal, guy that, illegal the, cigarettes yeah the guy and that so just like kinda, and you go to yourself like but he kind of had a heart attack or something right well he it you can watch the youtube video they have it online oh you saw it yeah like there's three or four officers that kind of swarm him and one of the officers gets on his back and gives him a rear naked choke which and is the, an illegal move right? yeah the and the guy is basically saying i can't breathe and they strangle him until he loses consciousness and he dies. And so you so go... So he totally kill, just killed He murdered a person, right? And you go like, okay, let's step away from this for a little bit and forget all of the history. Is it appropriate that you have law enforcement officers that are willing to murder somebody over, over something like cigarettes. cigarette tax? Or even like, you know, robbing a, you know, a convenience store. He like stole cigarettes from a convenience store or something like that. Like, why are things escalating to the point where the the, the police officers are shooting people, mm -hmm. right? Because, and I think what people are fed up with is, like, this is all, you know, six years past Obama was elected, too, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the one of the counter trends that's going on, too, is that people are a little disillusioned that the hope and change that was, was coming with Obama's election didn't translate into, like, a visible cultural change at the ground level between like the relationship of black people to the u.s government or to you know like that feeling of well acceptance. yeah because because it, it kind of felt like okay now now it's going to be fair right and and meanwhile it's like still going on nothing changed for them they had a, a guest on joe rogan's show i think it may have been hannibal Bar barris or something maybe not but he was talking about how from his point of view people kept on like saying during the election oh, you know, Obama's going to be a special interest candidate and we're worried that he's going to, like, put his th finger on the, the the scales of justice. He's going to be biased. Mm -hmm. And he was he was a, a guy that was saying, like, that's what we had hoped. We wanted Obama to be our, our thumb on the, the scales because, like, there's been such institutional they prejudice. Al they almost need they it. Want to they balance almost need it, out. it, like, further on the other side of yeah. the spectrum. Yeah, But he it's hasn't fair. been that at all for them. He's been, you know, kind of down the middle of the road, right? Like, he's an institutional guy. Um, so I think that that's part of Although it. Although in like, prison, more journalists than any prior president. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. What? He's some he's he's piece of work, that guy. <laughs> what do you know? I, 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 I mean... I well, I mean, I don't want to say too much more because I actually like haven't because I've been in school. I haven't like followed politics that closely, but I do know that I mean like Obama is a, is a really mixed bag, you know. Like there's the there's the healthcare thing, which I guess is positive. Ooh, um, sorry. But then yeah, he's in, he's like. You see the like war on like on journalists that this guy's unleashed with like that sounds shocking to me that the that's... whistleblow like this this stuff if you look into it is pretty surprising and I mean all this stuff I mean the NSA and everything like that's set up under um, Bush if not before but um, it's only expanded 
under his watch. And I mean, he said that stuff like last year about he was going to rein them in and all this stuff. Has that happened? My only is Guantanamo even yeah. closed yet? No. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. And my only hope is that you think broader picture, um, Bush was elected to reform social security. He never even had a vote on it. Clinton was elected to institute national health care. He never even had a vote on it. Obama in the last six years, credited or not, like they did institute a national health care thing. That's the early stages of doing like a single payer system similar to Canada. Um, the drug war is kind of ending somehow. Like they keep on trying to say like, oh, we're going to fight it. And like federally, it's still marijuana is still legal. And they're doing th nasty things like shutting down um, uh, weed shops and stuff. But if you look at the history of prohibition, that's kind of how it always goes, right? Like the, the leader has to be in a situation where he feels like he's forced to change things. I remember there was a great story like from the New Deal where FDR was bringing in all the heads of, of labor and saying like, you guys have to force me to do, to implement this stuff because the system doesn't want these changes. So you got to do sit down strikes. You got to do the work of like getting your heads beat in by your bosses and stuff before things get like nervous enough that I can make changes. Right. And I think that the presidency is a similar type of deal, right? Like until people are in the streets and like demanding the changes that they want, it's hard to well, do anything. That, that's a presidential example that you brought up. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's true. But um, it's more like, it's not that he's better or worse. It's just, I think, the treatment of Obama like actually says more about the electorate in that people are so, because of the, almost the mythology around this guy, like people are unwilling to really like contemplate that he's just a politician like other politicians, yeah. right? Like he, some people, like they don't want to hear like a bad thing against him. Like, and I guess there was the same thing um, with Bush with his supporters, but it's just weird when you see that from the left, I guess maybe I haven't lived long enough to like, I, I wasn't really conscious like of the disappointments that went on with like the previous generation of like progressive or I won't even say progressive, but like left party candidates. Cause I mean, I guess there were, the, there were disappointments, but this, like you just watch it and you're like to watch the left, like shy away from criticizing this guy. It's like, this is weird. I feel like besides FDR and maybe Roosevelt, like Theodore Roosevelt, has there been popular precedents <laughs> that could have gotten a third term if they were legally allowed to? It seems like they all kind of like go even, through the same arc. I mean, you can look back at Clinton but and be like, oh, he was great or something like that. But at, at the time, everybody wanted him to fuck out. Like, he got that blowjob and, like, people were just like, gotta get this guy Well, there was other here. criticism too, right? Like, the his base was upset about the lack of health care reform he basically became a Republican president in his second term. He was working really close with Newt Gingrich and stuff. Um, they He set the stage for that housing collapse, right, by getting rid of, what was it, Glass-Siegel yeah. or whatever, the regulations yeah. to the you banks. You can look, you can <clears throat> go back and, like, Noam Chomsky talked to, I have, a like, an audio lecture that Chomsky gave on Clinton, and he sort of says, like, his major thing, his major accomplishment is that he sort of moved 
the Democratic Party into moderate Republicanism. Like, so he's not really a great guy. Although the funny thing there, what, that seems to be happening is, uh, like, actually, people call Nixon the last uh, liberal, the last liberal president of the United States, because if you look at, like at you know, if you get past Watergate, like the stuff that Nixon, some of the stuff he did was quite progressive when you can, when you compare it to presidents who have come after. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And it wasn't because Nixon was an amazing guy, but he was terrified of the left wing politicians or, and the activists. So he was willing to like compromise on so many different things in order to keep what he thought was a revolution that was going to start. I think it just generally like speaks to like the the general shift in the culture like in the last couple decades where like even like those who were right wing, you know, 30 or 40 years ago are actually looking pretty progressive now compared with even the left wing that exists today. You know, so it's kind of disturbing. But I don't know that much about it. I know like little superficial things. Yeah. It's funny to watch Starship Troopers. Um, nowadays, especially with the Verhoeven commentary, because he t- he's talking about it, and you're like, boy, that that reminds me of today. Boy, that reminds me of today. <laughs> he's talking about like how uh, politically in Starship Troopers, it's like nationwide fascism, and it's instituted and and kept afloat by the idea of multiculturalism and stuff. So you're again, it's the, that situation where. You have a united culture where everybody of every race and every gender is equal, but in that equality, you have basically no rights unless you serve as a soldier to the United States Galactic Army thing. Also, people aren't really equal. In Starship Troopers? Oh, with Starship Troopers? Oh, I mean, like, in Canada. No, 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 I mean... (laughs) Okay, we're still in the Starship Troopers example. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In the in the reality of the movie. Okay. Like it's funny there there there's a visible a surface level equality among all citizens. Like how they do the co-ed shower scene and all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But under the surface there none of them are free because you have no rights. Like they can't vote unless they serve in the military. They can't go to college unless they serve in the military. That's very astute. Hmm. Although I have to say, sometimes I, f- sometimes I do feel like differently about all this stuff. Like uh, mm-hmm. when we talk about, um, you know, moving to like a a uh, wage economy where you kind of just do your day job and then like you do your art projects or whatever, like in your own time. Like this part of me that's like that's interesting. We're moving to like an inf- uh, an information age economy or something like that. Mm-hmm. The other half of me is like, this is the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> this is like when, when the Rom- when the Roman citizens like become so effete that they won't they won't do the things that need to be done to maintain their empire anymore. They won't serve in their own army. They won't like be realistic about like yeah. the things that need to happen. Like, and not that I'm saying we need an army, like because I mean it's that was two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. but like. There's very there seems a lot. I mean, but you read a lot about a, a deep disconnect in skills between like what our economy needs and what we're producing. And I don't know how much of that is true. I mean, there's people also who say that that's not true. Yeah. Um. But 
yeah i mean even as an art as a former artist myself i just and wonder and partially looking at the quality of what's produced generally i'm like how many artists do we need right you know and well, like don't don't we need uh like more engineers and like all these like because you know where's it gonna if we if if our citizens born here like won't study those kind of things like it's just gonna be like you know i don't no, know where it's, it's, it's super from. true i mean like i i feel i don't even like calling myself an artist anymore it's just like if you look at the a lot of people in toronto like everybody's an artist mm-hmm. even if your main job is that you work at a fucking laundry matter a coffee shop <laughs> you're still like i got an iphone so i'm an artist or something i i, I don't know like there's the, everybody wants to be an artist because it kind of gives you a value but it's also a cop-out in some ways because you can have that label where you feel like you're doing something as an artist mm-hmm. when you're not actually really doing anything hmm. yeah. yeah i mean you mean you can make i mean you I'm not saying that people aren't artistic and like, yeah, you could like do a show, but like, I mean, you could probably count on your hand how many friends, you know, that are actually like doing art as like a monetary thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I mean, I don't know what qualifies it yourself as an artist in that way, but. But is that just, is that just um, industrial thinking? Like, does it need to have a cash value in order for it to be? I mean, you're totally, that's totally valid point, but I just, I just does everybody need to be an artist? I mean, that's kind of what you're in some, saying. Well, I mean, in some ways, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's probably good for people to have some artistic release. No, that's release. true, but I feel like it's a, it's it's also a cop-out. Like, you could say you're an artist and not, uh, it kind of gives you, like, this, this value that is, like, not mm-hmm. really yeah. real. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. But yeah, I'm talking, I'm just thinking, like, we clearly like need, and you know, actually, maybe there. This would be a good thing to do if you wanted to do part-time art. But like, we need. There's certain positions we need more of. Like, we need more like skilled tradespeople that do like carpentry and plumbing and all these things. You could make a lot of money like doing that stuff. And similarly, like, we have huge um, skills gaps. Well, so they say in the public service, like in terms of like data analysis, like statistical knowledge and, the, well, and these kinds of things. What baffles me though is why why is why is the education system not capitalizing on this? Like, I mean, um, they shouldn't be pumping out students like the like how much money they're making off the education system is ridiculous. Yeah, how how much debt kids are coming out of school with, and the fact that you guys fucking know what where there should be like people coming out and being it's educated in certain things it's like there's there's reasons like it's tough the universities actually have a lot of institutional freedom from uh political control right um so it's that's a good thing so it's very hard to force them to, to do, do anything and force well, the students too like if you have a bunch of students that are interested in taking musical theater instead of studying programming then that's the right you know mm-hmm. there's nothing if anything i actually think <clears throat> they should raise the price are you of, that's uh, what germany's doing of like of, of something like i mean although i hear like dushan Milik actually who i talked to about a year ago was saying that they're changing the art program the illustration program at ocad considerably so i don't know what it is now like maybe they're getting more into like data visualization well, I, I don't think like, stuff like that should even exist 
Well, as Whoa. it existed, as it existed when no, when mean, we took it, yeah. But I mean, there would be. It shouldn't even be called illustration, though. Like, you could channel. Just... You could channel that, though. Like you could do like all this like data visualization stuff. That could be a course, and there's definitely a market for that. And like, I feel like even like just getting rid of this attitude that the professors have in art school, where like all the kinds of like art that you could do that you might make money at. Like is frowned is upon. frowned upon. Yeah. You know, Why you're just you go to technical illustration. That seems more you have up your to, alley. You they pretty much like talk you out of doing like any kind of comic book art, any kind of like and comic book art, I mean that kind of is gonna be the same kind of art that's gonna like transition into like video game art or anything. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. totally. I mean you have to learn to life draw, of course. And the fact, you know, little basic things. I think it's hilarious in retrospect how everybody who was interested in using Illustrator or Photoshop to do their work at Sheridan the teachers well yeah i remember i remember bringing illustrator it. uh stuff in and it would just get like the worst marks yeah, i'm like well like, i guess like computer yeah i'm i guess i can't use this meanwhile yeah the, if i had ridiculous. been stuck to that i that would i would actually couldn't could have done something yeah, with the wave that came after us was like, like e-boy all, and stuff was all digital like when that lava life shit come, yeah. came out and all that i was like oh man fuck i was like right on this and <laughs> they convinced me not to do this this is so stupid but that's yeah. that's what i think the downside of like being a bit too controlled and trying to plan the economy to that point is is like we don't really know what's coming next and like there's always an undercurrent of young people who go the direction they want to go and a lot of them end up really successful at it well so, yeah i mean you're always gonna f- there's always gonna be those people but like we're, we're not talking about picking winners in in terms of like predicting which company hmm. is gonna do well in the stock market we know that like statistics and like data analysis is going to be is a skill that is going to be needed in the future increasingly right under any scenario that's going to be the case so we need more people who study this kind of thing certain things like you said plumbing or carpentry yeah these things don't go away like you're always going to need people to do those things yeah so you can to some i mean of course you can't predict exactly what the future will be but in terms of broad skill sets you have some idea of what pe- what people might be able to make a success of. When the thing that makes me disappointed is that it feels like there's been a privatization of learning. And what I mean by that is, like, if we were part of our grandparents' generation and you wanted to do data research or whatever it was, mm-hmm. there was an expectation that if you got a job at a certain company, they gave you an entry-level job and then you learn all of those specific skills on the job and you're being paid while you do it yeah and now we've reached an era where we like even people who are professional researchers people working in labs they're paying a tuition to work at a university that's doing research and stuff for corporations that are going to make a profit off of the data and stuff it's like completely flipped to where you have to pay to play Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of fucked up. And then on top of that, like yeah. all this, uh, all these companies taking advantage of internships, right? Totally, especially in the arts or like even like, especially in computer animation. I mean, I, I saw this all the time. Like, especially when I was working out of Sheridan there for that while, they were just taking students out like free labor, mm-hmm. and like kids, especially when like you're talking about the arts where it is oversaturated now. That people are are begging to even do free internships yeah. at places, right? And they're just completely taking advantage of that and using it as a 
is like an actual model for a business. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is really fucked up. Because then it devalues the whole job. Like, unfortunately, I've been in, like, in pure animation, like, <clears throat> from when I started to now. Like, the mm -hmm. wages haven't gone up. Right. <laughs> like, I went up, and then, like, 2008, whatever, hit, and it just came... Like, I'm basically making not much different than I would have made coming right out of school. And it's, like, there's a, there's a million kids that are coming out of school every year that will do it for less. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though, but that I wouldn't... It's hard to, like, talk about any of this because, I mean... It happens in conjunction with a whole bunch of different factors that are going on in the society, and you can pick any one and like. It's probably the same. It's happening. I mean, it's happening because I wouldn't have. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean like, if, and this is like pie in the sky. But if the economy was like retooled, in a way like where, let's say, like government even like is is through like things like open data is trying to like solicit more like playing with the idea of crowdsourcing certain activities of government even the idea in other countries like the idea of crowdsourcing a certain amount of regulation right but i'm like okay and, and typically you don't you don't get huge participation rates in this and i'm thinking like well no one's getting paid for this mm -hmm. and like people are like they work longer hours than they ever have at least in north america and i'm if they could even change the economy so that okay i mean you want these things done pay a little bit yeah. Like yeah. add a, a monetary incentive to all these crowdsourced activities that go on throughout the digital economy in is like in an, in a measured way that makes it at least possible for people who participate in these things to make like a decent like an okay living like doing that kind of thing then you would almost get to that point mm -hmm. where um people could pursue like their own interests like you know, and multiple interests if they have the skills to do it. Like, if they had an economy like that, I wouldn't have a problem yeah. Yeah. with a lot of this stuff. But it just, I think there's, I, it, there's this, it doesn't fit with the capitalist economy that we have now, I think is a problem. It's like, it's, it's interesting that you're saying that because I, I mean, I feel like I am a multitasker. I am kind of doing that already. So to me, like if there was just multiple ways to make a little bit of money here and there, I would. That's like. Oh, speaking of which, my mom wanted me to wanted me to ask you if you're on Access Copyright. Oh. What? There's an organization, Access Copyright, right? Which, uh, I I think it's government. I mean, but anyway, uh, I'm on it as a as a former illustrator. Mm -hmm. Let's just say as an illustrator. <laughs> don't don't push that. Okay. So I mean. Jessica like, is too. Like so, I've published all kinds of like illustrations in different magazines. I still get checks from that. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely have not done that. If you get on it, like it's for musicians too. Really? If you signed up for this, like you could be getting a check for like. Three. Well, no, I do. So can. Yeah. I th okay. That's like probably the musical equivalent of. But it. I, I think Access do... Copyright does too. In addition. For musicians. Really? Yeah. So at least go on the website and and check it out. The way it kind of works, yeah. I think, is that as part of like the education system and stuff, the teachers and the schools, they have like a small fund that's put aside to be able to pay for the copyright of the materials that they're using in, in their schools. education in the schools. Yeah. That's part of it. And it all gets pulled together and then they divide it among artists. So you just need to sign up for the list and then you yeah. become like a payout. Yeah. Recipient you could be getting like things. three or 400 a year, like just from it. Just yeah. Check it out. 
Hmm. Pre-Q, pre-Q. But yeah, I mean, it seems if we're going to have an economy that relies on people doing like seven multiple. or eight things, multiple tasking, like seven of which they don't get paid for. I mean, if they got paid for all those things, even in a small amount, like it, it would gel it more with, with the way that like the, the economy actually is running, at least like, you know, under the surface. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah, and the thing that I like about the idea too is that it just speeds everything up. Like I think about how little problems, like you know, somebody wants the the bus stop on their local bus stop fixed, and like the amount of hoops you got to jump through, and like you got to talk to your councilman, and then they got to raise the, and then it's got to match the other bus stops in the area, and then you you can't just like get people together and have them build the fucking thing. You need to have like a union representation and there needs to be a bid contract like layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff before anything gets done i like what todd's saying in the idea that like it encourages kind of like a, a more hands-on like civic engagement among everybody that i think is has gotten really low mm-hmm. because i think the big picture story of everything that we're talking about is i don't know if steve mentioned this or if todd did but there's an idea that like if you think of Canada as a, as an idea, as a concept that we're all working towards making a, a good place to live, mm-hmm. there's there's different like varying levels of engagement that everybody has in that in, in contributing to that idea, and every great country has a motivating spirit behind it where people are still interested in like building a great Canada, and then they do things like oh okay well we don't mind paying for the new subway system in Toronto or Calgary or whatever, because we understand that it's all a big pool. And like, as our big cities do well, the rural communities also do well because the money goes around in the system. Right. As you get uh, more and more generations, more and more people who don't believe in that anymore, it starts to fall apart. And Uh, yeah, yeah, I said that. (laughs) No, that's a very good, good point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say? Was it spitballing off of the idea of like how people would participate more in the economy if like there was little incentives and stuff? Oh, I, I was thinking of the um, uh, I can't remember the name of the girl, but um, she she's she did a TED talk about the twenty uh, hour work week, or mm-hmm. and I I found that really interesting because it it, it made total sense. So you could have more. You could have twice the amount of people in the job market yep. working, um, and also it, it. I mean, there's a whole philosophy change on how people think about life. Yeah. Like what I was saying earlier, like I think we're all pretty privileged with what you have, you know. And that was like, if you think, if you change the way of thinking of what you actually need to get by and what you actually want, and and um, what you get out of life is more in what you're doing. Mm-hmm then that 20 hour work week makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I was really behind that model and I feel like her pushing that kind of agenda kind of goes hand in hand to what you're saying. Whereas like, if you had more time in your hands, you'd have more time for family. You'd have more time to do these other smaller project or multiple projects that maybe they don't get paid like a huge amount of money, but that's not the point. Like you're, you're still getting something from it and you're doing things that you want to do and people are just generally happy doing those things. The thing that I find exciting about that idea is it also frees up a whole whack of people who are stuck, right? There's people who I know that are on the bottom rung of the income level where they're getting by on like six or $7,000, like washing fucking dishes or whatever. 
and they don't have any opportunities. There's nothing you can build upon from, from living that way. If you had a little bit more space in the economy where people who had real jobs were given more leisure and you were opening up that space so somebody can learn new skills and get a bit of momentum, it would, I think it would change a lot of stuff. You could either do that or just go s straight up cash payments to people, which I think that they should also do. Is There should just be like a, a guaranteed wage for everybody so that we can all participate in the economy because it's ridiculous that there's so many people with really big brains that just aren't able to contribute because they have absolutely no financial resources to do anything. You know, it's crazy. 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 Madness. Madness. You got to put an echo in that after. <laughs> so, okay, we're almost at the end of 2014, the year in review. What's coming up in 2015? What do we have to look forward to? Peak Oil Nightmare is not here yet. Todd wasted a lot of money on a really expensive parka to keep him warm through the nightmare. Didn't quite Actually, arrive. I wanted to ask you about what you thought about that whole thing. Well, because it's like Saudi, yeah. Saudi Arabia opened up the taps. You got Russia going down the tubes from it. It seems yeah. all deliberate. It seems like the it Americans are getting him to do that to punish Russia for Crimea, right? That seems to be what's going on. But isn't Saudi Arabia in kind of cahoots with ISIS? Like they uh, fund ISIS. Oh, do they? Interesting. So I don't. Uh, I know they're a, a United States ally, but um, I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, so like many I, layers going on yeah. to this story that I just I'm not. I just kind of curious what. It's a lot of shady business. But like I so, like I I um am so like face down in the, in the books that oh, I that you can't even. I don't really follow uh, day to day crazy, news. But you're doing like politics. No, I'm not. I'm not. That's oh, the not. that's the thing that's that the I thing. think a lot of my friends here don't understand is I like I'm in a public service program, which is not the same as politics. Like you have um, the prime minister, and then the ministers of the different departments, and then the deputy ministers, and those are all like political appointments. But like your average person in the public service like they're not political like they, they, they're just functionaries servants of the nation yeah they're and they're supposed to be nonpartisan, right oh like so they do their job no matter who happens to be in power and i mean you need that for like the stability of the delivery of services and stuff it's like the castrated guy on game of thrones <laughs> he's like the servant of the realm oh so you're a eunuch i yeah so i'm like a fat bald eunuch or at least that's what I'm studying to be. Um, they castrate you at, when you get Your the degree. Graduation. Yeah. You can never, you can you never procreate. Be, you won't be needing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I, like, I'm not in politics. I'm in like a public service. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like when people are like, "What do you do? Computer animation." Like, like, cool, like nut job oh, and stuff. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were on nut job, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not on air, man. <laughs> I remember when we were sitting down and they were playing the trailer or something, and you're like, I did that shot, I did that shot, I did that shot, I did that shot. You see his nuts? I did that. Oh, god, <laughs> what is coming up in 2015? Are you gonna finish your video game? Yeah, I've been working on it. Um, and, uh, basically the programming is almost completely finished. Yeah. So 
just like I I got Deanna doing some backgrounds for me. Yeah, I Sweet. saw that. Uh, it's mostly I just gotta go and like all the mostly I, most of the graphics that are in are templated, so I have to go through and just replace everything. Now. How did you like the process? Would you do, are you gonna do another one? I'm gonna do another one. I think we're me and Ilya are doing one. I don't want to talk about it cause on here, mm. but uh, but we're me and Ilya, William, and I uh, maybe Deanna too. We're Sweet. Gonna probably do a game jam and try to bust this thing out like. Like, now that you know the steps, how fast do you well, that, think you could do it? That's the thing. Like, even this game, we probably could have done in, like, half or a quarter of the time. Mm. It, it, I mean, I can't... I don't regret it. It's just I did so many things wrong. Just, yeah. It's just like anything, right? Like, uh, if I was to do, like, a first film or something, it, it just... You, you just do fucking everything wrong, and then you have to go back. So, there's a lot of steps that I just did wrong. And Ilya's really great for that because he's kind of done a, a lot of these and kind of knows how the, the correct process. So mm-hmm. with the next game, because even even like he kind of jumped in like at the end and kind of just like talked her, us through a few things yeah. that he had already experienced. So I think the next one I kind of want to just do what are the exact right steps so yeah. that I can. And it's like not a hard game to do. It's not very big. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'll just know for the following time, like, this is what you do. Again, I don't regret any of it, but fuck, it, like, could have been way quicker, but it's just... And also just the concept was so much bigger than... You know, it's like when you're making a movie for the first time, like, you're 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 thinking, like, so grandiose without even knowing that you are sometimes. There's going to be aliens open up a yeah, portal. Like, They're going to destroy New York City. And you're just like... It's going to be a big yeah, title man, wave. sounds really good. And then and what's your budget? Oh, $500. Okay. <laughs> um, that yeah. is going to cost at least 1000 <laughs> if the course that I took on dollars production a lot of money, serves man. me. Yeah. I'd have to work like a whole week to make $1,000, guy. I'm not <laughs> fucking paying you that. So, I don't know, but hopefully they'll both be out next year. So. I'm really excited whenever one of my friends spins off and does the hard work of learning all this stuff. Because it's like, if Dean figures out how to make games, then all I have to do is draw a concept on the back of a napkin <laughs> and get him excited. And then he'll do all of the work. It'll be great. I I, I do feel like uh, that is probably where I'm going to head mm-hmm. in the future. Because you feel like that's closer to your heart, or because you think that I've that's always more... wa- I've always wanted to do it, and it just incorporates everything that I like. Because mm-hmm. I still get to do music, I still get to do art, I still get to it's still storytelling, it's still like a lot of things. It's everything. It's basically everything that I know how to do, except in video games, which I love anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just feel like I got to keep exploring it and learning more how to do it, but. I'm fascinated with all these tools. I just wish I could figure out a way of uniting this kind of stuff where like you're working with people and you're connecting, you're telling stories and and that kind of like human stuff with the digital. Like I'm fucking like 73 hours into this new fucking Dragon Age game and it's the (laughs) same Bioware uh, trap that I fell into for fucking Mass Effect and stuff. Well, right, that's all those games, like even um, uh, what's it called, Fallout and all that. I I, I can't play them anymore. I can't stop playing it, but I'm not having any fun. I'm I know. Like, I'd rather just be hanging out with Dean or Todd or or whatever. And but that the, that's the the brilliance of those games is that they're just game loops mm-hmm. that get that are just made to get you hooked. And that's the stuff that I want to try to figure out more because there is like tricks that uh, for all those games on 
Like a lot of them are based on just gambling, right? Totally. So you like, want to get more effective at separating people from their friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you see the new South Park? Oh, that's fucking hilarious. Did you see? That, that was funny. That eh? one where they they go through like the the whole game. What was it? Uh, Terrence and uh, Phillip fr- freemium game thing. The freemium, the oh, freemium that's game fucking, design. That so was gold. If you're not familiar, Todd, like uh, Terrence and Phillip, you know the animated. Uh, television characters on yeah, South the Park, Canadian the Canadian characters, characters. Yeah. they come out with a um, a freemium game for the iPhone, and it's being pushed by the disabled kid at the at the South Park Elementary, and basically it's the shittiest game ever. Like it's just a, an overhead shot of a neighborhood with various Canadian money floating around, and you got to poke on the money, and then it builds infrastructure for Canada. You you help build a, a great Canada by collecting Canuck bucks. Right? right. And secretly it's just it's being run by the Canadian government as like a massive fundraising organization to build the actual Canada. Like they're building <laughs> hospitals and a new transit system and stuff all paid for by the game. But the Prime Minister goes into his office and he gets like the spiel from one of the ministers about how freemium games are actually not at all free. And how it there's there's an economics that come to like alcohol sales and casino gambling where there's three or four percent of the population that try your thing are going to be uh, addicts and you are going to suck all of the financial resources out of that small percentage of people who can't stop right and they go through the what you're what Dean's describing where the gamification making these game loops where it's not particularly fun. But well, you like, just can't stop. I, and I, I know what you're going through. It's like you get this fucking new sword or some stupid shit. You're like, it's four in the morning already. And you're like, oh, I just want to try the sword out for like five minutes. And then it's like, yeah. And, oh, God. But the thing that it's burned me in the, the previous Bioware games is if you don't fall into the pit and just keep moving forward, you can clear the entire game with whatever thing you started with. Like your starter pistol in Half-Life, you can beat the entire game well, with I, that. You don't need so anything. It's so funny because that's what happened to me with Fallout, right? Yeah. And I think I hit like I, I something like 60 hours on it or something. And like I lost like two weeks of my life. And it was getting really <laughs> depressing. I hadn't seen outside or anything. And then I was like, I'm just going to do the story. And then I beat the story in like two or three hours later. Yeah. And then I just never wanted to play it again. How did it end? I never got to the end. Do you meet your dad eventually? Yeah, Liam Neeson's your dad or something. Well, that sounds pretty good. I can't even remember now. Is he a villain? Does the I think dad he's make like him a villain? scientist or something. I really can't remember Fuck. now. I'll never know. I'm sorry. I'll just read the Wikipedia page. But You it, can't but, just watch it on YouTube. I watched the uh, Batman video games, like just the narrative parts. Really? Oh, those are really <laughs> great. Cut, cut together? Yeah, because I don't want to play the game. That kind of took the plate. Like, you know how your idea for the Batman franchise was to take it into the monster realm? That's That's the perfect, like, placeholder. Like, Mm -hmm. Batman Arkham Asylum has filled that hole. They've made, like, something that's awesome enough that it it takes over the role of... of, They don't need to make the monster movie Batman. Yeah, yeah. They they could focus on making the crappy Avengers version of Batman now. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of cool, though, that, that they can do that with some games, right? Like, they can play out some of these alternate universes in the in game form in a better way. Yeah. I think. Because it's a bit more fringe. It's a bit more nerdy. You can't technically spend the $200 million, but you could do some... I, some of these budgets on these games are way bigger than Hollywood films now. Yeah. Because they're making so much fucking money now. 
Mm. So, I don't yeah, know. I I heard that like the top ten video games w- made way more, way, the, way more. more than the GTA top 10 man just like blew yeah. everybody out of the fucking water, there's, and rightly so. Yeah, there's way more. I don't know. There's a lot of work that goes into that shit. Mm-hmm. It's huge, and the stories are getting way better. Like they're getting real writers now, yeah, and now real actors mm-hmm. in the game. So it's not far off. Yeah, I think that if I had a console, then GTA would probably be more up my alley. Like, I I think that they're a little bit better at crafting stuff that's like legitimately funny, mm-hmm. legitimately oh, exciting, like, yada yada yada. No, I mean, I just I played. I didn't play the whole game, but. It was really good what I played. It just it felt really cinematic. And in the plus column, you know, Dragon Age has brought back the ability to have sex with everybody in the game. And that's kind of Ilya and I's favorite part. So what, you just have sex with her? I'd never played Dragon Age. Well, there's romance quests, right? So everybody really? in your party, guys, girls, monsters, you can, you can <laughs> through the right, like... Through you the can right have sex like with a monster? S- yeah, through the right scenarios, if you have the right conversation topics, if you have the, enough things in common, if you get them little presents that you find along your adventure, you can get the person to fall in love with you. And then there's a fuck scene. Really? Yeah. And if you if you're moving on, like you want to break up, you can break up with that character and they might leave your party if they if they take it the wrong way. Sometimes it's amicable, and then you can have sex with somebody else in your party, and they won't get jealous. Can you be a monster and, and have sex with other people? Yeah, like, there's these things called canari in, in the uh, Dragon Age that are, like, they're kind of bull people. They have big horns and okay. stuff. All and right. in the new game, there's this guy called the Iron Bull, who's kind of like a bisexual, and uh, you can totally bang him, regardless of... No, I mean, can you be the Iron Bull? You can bull? be the bull. You can be the big... Bull, oh, so like if you're the bull guy, you can... Fuck guys or girls or yeah. monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I, I should play this. Game. <laughs> Personally, I'm an assassin dwarf. <laughs> You're not getting late at all. <laughs> no, you can. I've been I've been macking I've been macking on like the uh, the diplomat character. They have a Dragon Age introduces in the new one. They have like a a supporting cast of bureaucrats. So, like, you have your own um, core party that's all doing military stuff, but you can also go back to the castle and send out your diplomats to, like, do espionage and stuff like that. It's kind of kind of neat. Hmm. <laughs> you have a spy master, similar to, like, uh, Queen Elizabeth. Yada, yada, yada. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, this right. one up there. Yeah. Video games. So this didn't end up being much of a Christmas spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do we know about Christmas? The thing about Christmas that I found interesting <laughs> this year, there's a tipping point that's happened where I compl- like my level of atheism has gotten to the point now where I just want to disassociate run- myself with Jesse's comments on this podcast <laughs> at this point. <laughs> These doesn't reflect. I think mine. Todd is going to the bathroom at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he exits. My level of atheism has gotten to the point now where, like, I can't even entertain a conversation about like the the true meaning of Christmas, just because, like, on a practical level, like, I feel everybody should know that the holiday that we're doing now has existed forever since like Druid times. Used to be called Yule. The Christians like actively 
campaign to ban any kind of celebration of this holiday that we're going into. And that should become, you can read it on Wikipedia. The information is there, right? So when CBC, like Metro Morning, Matt Galloway or whatever, sometimes they'll play like a really religious Christmas song where it'll go on like, don't you know this is time about baby Jesus and the wise men who followed the star. It's a time for peace on earth. And Keep go going. Like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> I'm going to send this to Matt Galloway. <laughs> it's like such a surreal thing, like to be on the other side of it, right? To go like, oh, this is how, you know, I can't, I can't like empathize anymore. I can't like get back to that headspace. Cause when I was a kid, I used to be able to like have one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. And I could kind of like see how people could be under that spell that kind of like magic. Does anyone care about that though? Or is it? Well, more- that's the bigger <laughs> the question, right? Like, is it all nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Nobody really believes in the thing, and it's just a, a cultural... Well, if you talk to... I mean, now that we're, like, this age, like, when whenever I talk about it with, like, family members or whatever, it's always just, like, this is just about the kids. Yeah. Like, and now my sisters have kids, and my cousins have kids, and, like, we don't buy presents for each other, even. We're just, like, we just buy presents for kids, and, like... They get a bunch of presents and they like it and they play. Present day. In yeah. my house, it's still all about little you. Todd. <laughs> so I hear. Todd gets a bunch of presents and, you know, he plays with them. He's happy. <laughs> oh, look, he likes his iPhone. <laughs> I actually know your president. <gasps> How the fuck did that happen? Uh, Deanna showed it to me today. Oh my god. Jesus. He knows something you don't know. You're one he lucky motherfucker. <laughs> Did you get a sword? I bet. Uh, well, Did you get a shield? The thing is, I like constantly let Deanna know like things that I want. <laughs> so <laughs> It could be a lot of different things. <laughs> You know, I ought to pull that. I'm always, I'm always like, I'm sending her like whenever I see something like on Twitter that (laughs) I'm like, like I will, I'll message it to her. Yeah. So, I mean, it could very well be a sword, or it could be like a but a skull bust with like hot gold flowing into the eye socket and a snake. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. One of, like a uh, a Rasputin penis preserved. Yeah, in, could uh, be Rasputin's penis. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Unfortunately, it's not a shrunken Rasputin's head. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a really eclectic person, so it could be anything. There's been a lot of push over on from like the boing boing side of the internet to like have people build a cabinet of curiosities to just have in your office, like a shrunken head. Yeah, I. Johnson. I like that stuff too, but then I'm also like, am I going to turn into like the metal version of my mom with her like cab- <laughs> cabinet of like glass figurines? Oh, we dust this. And then is that even is that any Your better? Your mom has the doll thing. Yeah, she has a, a collection of Victorian nuns yeah. that are all very creepy looking with black eyes, that little teeth. Scared the so some fuck out some of people me. like that stuff, but I don't know if I want to get because it does. Be- it can become just like another culture of like you're buying little trinkets. It is like consumerist after a point. Yeah. So I just want to have the one like really awesome think piece. That's, that's uh, going back to that. I mean, like you don't really need very much shit anymore. Yeah. I don't need a, I, I'm a music fan, obviously. 
I don't really care about records or anything anymore. Oh, <gasps> it's go- <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody buys anything anyway. But it's like <laughs> it's I I found like now that I have like the streaming websites. I'm sorry. Like as a listener, it's just this is the best thing more ever. convenient and like and the thing the same it adds thing a social with, element same, too. same thing with netflix and all this shit right like i like movies but like it's just the convenient like you know we thought everything was gonna go with like better quality with this blu-ray and everything but if everybody's watching it on netflix like i uh, never thought that the blu-ray thing was gonna t- i was surprised when lee strangled but got the blu-ray because i was like does it matter? Like after two minutes, you forget. You forget the yeah, whatever that the quality, like quality is. is. Like y- as soon as you're drawn into like what the movie, it's is, almost you forget like about too that. good a quality. Like it, you can see into the pores of the skin, and I don't yeah. Know. I, I I mean I I, I like I, I'm cool with the. Video. There's some there's some things that I find look amazing. Like if you watch any of those old Hitchcock movies on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. it adds like a layer to it. Seeing the grain and the the saturated colors and all that i think makes the movie better and i think that it's i just think there's going to be a schism right like there's going to be all sorts of stuff that works really well for netflix and then it's only going to be a very special type of art movie like if you're going to see cream master or whatever you want it in the best quality possible right because it's kind of a visual thing it's supposed to be good but i don't know but then blu-ray is like a is a mass manufactured thing that requires like an infrastructure like to produce these blu-rays so can it survive oh, on no like, no no, no. Like, like like i don't know it's if in that's your computer like, now like I mean, you can but then you, you can look, make blu-ray discs for for your fans and stuff if you look at like uh music right like vinyl's still better quality mm. but we're listening to shit at mp3 quality it's terrible yeah it's like it's terrible quality it doesn't sound like a fraction of how good it's supposed to sound but nobody gives a fuck yeah and like same with like netflix like it's like it's a quarter of the quality of what they're shooting it at like we're talking about like you know i mean people are shooting shit on red cameras at 4k and then when they watch it it's on a fucking youtube thing like this big at really shitty like compression compression artifacts all over it Uh, i don't know it's weird it's like the one technology is going like technology of making it's like gone super far in one direction but the the quality of what we're watching is not. And yeah. It's all it's all convenience until they're like able to stream stuff at 4K really quickly. Mm. I don't know. I think it it, I think me. I think the convenience is when it is going to win out. There was yeah. this uh, the Seth Godin idea where he was talking about Jerry Seinfeld and how. Wait a sec. Does this have anything to do with Christmas? No. Okay. <laughs> Can you try to relate it to? Christmas? So Jerry Seinfeld's wearing a Santa hat. He's on his... <laughs> So, like, the way Seth Godin breaks it down is, like, Jerry Seinfeld's a really good um, example of, like, how the internet economy kind of works. Like, there's free Jerry Seinfeld that you can see every day on every television network. And then there's expensive Jerry Seinfeld that you have to pay $1,000 a ticket for. And he's live and he's there from this time to this time. And if you miss it, you miss it. And I feel like that's the schism that you're describing is what's happening with everything. There's like the Netflix model, which is like convenient and free and and crappy and then quality. The, and then there's the very and then there's like the high end stuff, and we haven't quite figured out what that is for everything. But if it's a movie, then maybe like there's a there's an IMAX screening of it that only happens once in your town, and you have to pay for it. And you also get the opportunity to meet other fans afterwards. And there's like a speech 
Like they just did uh, Kubrick's a Kubrick screening at the TIFF, right? And that's kind of an opportunity to meet other people who are friends of Kubrick, fans of Kubrick. And so it's kind of an interesting thing to take a date to and stuff. And you can understand why that has a premium. And then there's also Pirate Bay where you can get all of those movies free anytime Is you want. Is there Pirate Bay? It got shut down. Yeah. It got shut down, but there's other torrent sites, so mm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And we just have to figure out, like, for you, for Odonis Adonis, mm-hmm. right? You've got, mm-hmm. you can get all the MP3s or stream it on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you want to see Dean and the band and that experience, that's going to cost you money. And you've also got to go up to a place and show up and move your body and stuff like that. Oh, I don't want to move my body. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an Oculus Rift version of this yet? Please. That probably will happen. You want it? Well, they were saying that that was one of the things that it'd be used for. It was like, let's say you want to go to a basketball game and you want front row seats that you can get Oculus seats to a show oh, to go to a basketball game. Like those or suckers that go to the Raptors like, game and I they gotta stand see outside. Metallica front row <laughs> in Oculus. Can I sit... Can I feel like I'm sitting on the stage? Can I feel like I'm sitting on top butcher? of Lars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why would I want... Like, if I can sit anywhere, why yeah, would I want to sit in the front row? I could sit like... Or imagine you could be Lars. Or Dean. That'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> you could you could see what they're seeing. Yeah, that'd be yeah, you better. Could wear a little, uh, you could wear a little you're Google like, glass and you're stuff. Like, you could see through your you eyes. You could be David Boy. And then you can have sex with the groupies afterwards, and that can be streamed through Oculus, too. You get the whole, like, band experience. Oh, and you get, like, the porn star thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is me working the merch table. And you're like, Oculus. <laughs> you get to sit at the yeah. merch table. And maybe they could hook it up so that you actually do sell their merch for them. Oh, man. They'd have to just do a highlights reel for that shit. You don't want to get everything. <laughs> the There's a lot of When you sold shit. something. Sitting in a van for 12 hours and... That could be. There's masochists yeah. out there. I bet you somebody would somebody pay to would sit in your tour van. Yeah, no, that. they're already playing music. If t- <laughs> oh, Dean's taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it feels see- weird. <laughs> your popcorn. <laughs> I just want you to know that I've watched every single hour of your tour. I'm still connected right now. Oh, God. I hope that never happened. I shaved my beard to match yours. <laughs> That's probably a good place to end it, end it on a laugh. Because Santa has a beard. Yeah, it's Sa- <laughs> Santa beard. Beards. Santa. Odonis. Odonis. Todd Julie. Jesse Yules. 2015. Yeah, oh, wait, wait. Year. What's the happening 2015? Uh, what are my predict- predictions? I think that the next world war is going to be centralized government versus non-governmental citizen groups. Like that whole ISIS thing, anonymous computer hackers i feel like there's two sides that are oh, lining up did you guys hear that north <clears> korea's <throat> internet went down yeah i did hear that interesting today i also think that the sony the nsa was behind the sony hack and they're only doing this to unleash their nsa internet weapons i just want to again just <laughs> disassociate myself from everything that jesse said on this podcast. speculation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your predictions? I predict that the third season of Vikings will come out. <laughs> Is that a show? About that. <laughs> Is that a show? Yeah, that's a TV show. Okay. And then 
I'm doing I'm doing a panel on uh, gamification at uh, York U. Nice. That should be funny. That's in May. Cool. Also, the Institute on Governance, where I'm working, is uh, doing a conference at the end of January on digital governance. If you want to shoot any kind of video component to these oh, talks, they, they have, then they have, uh, the, I have they the technology. Have, they have to do that. Uh, well, maybe for York U, maybe. But uh, for the conference that IOG is doing, like those services are kind of provided by the venue. Like you kind of have to sign up for one. And I guess I mean, if you're not happy with like the flow of it, if it ends up being really boring, and you want to like truncate your thing into like a proper YouTube. Well, won't be up to me like, for, the, for the IOG thing, but no, maybe no. for the York In general, like, if you don't yeah. get all your points across, like, say you only end up talking for five minutes, and then... It, I'm going to talk for 20 minutes, and then take questions. Nice. Oh. If you ever want to do a YouTube thing... If I ever I need free labor... <laughs> I, have, I have free labor. Yeah, all right. It'll be the payback. Sounds good. Payback time. All right. What's your prediction? You got off easy. Oh, me? When's the Odonis Odonis live album? <laughs> we ha- uh, 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 we'll have a new record for next year. But you don't know when it's coming out? Mm, probably in the fall. Oh my god. The hype is building already. It's what's called it, The Muffins. Wait, what's it going to be called? Uh, I think Post Plague. Post Plague. That's funny. My third band is called Plague Monster. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what. That's the band he invented after the Muffins went mainstream. Mm. <laughs> muffins got too popular. <laughs> and Plague Monster is more of like a cash cow kind of band. Yeah, he's gonna sell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Get uh, your tickets now. Less Plague exper- Monster. Less experimental. <laughs> Post-plague, plague monster, post-plague, plague monster. Plague monster on tour with O'Donnell's <laughs> Coming soon. Venue New Year. All right. Let's All right. Let's wrap it up. Ha-ha. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Merry Christmas. <laughs>